1: to tip today 1800 938 007 our free phone number it uh, won't cost you anything if you want to make a call to us and Emma is looking after the show today coming up on the programme this morning reaction to Sinn Féin TD Martin Brown's chat with me yesterday on the programme we have an explanation of the digital platform only fans we'll talk about litter at the train station in Clonmel. some insight on managing and reducing stress levels with uh, Muriel Cuddy of uh, Morito eighty twenty. We've a taster from this week's Down Your Way program. We'll chat about the post office scandal in the UK and the latest uh, on farming news with uh, Katrina from the Farmers Journal. So all of that and more on the way you can text and WhatsApp double three double one. You can email tip today at tipfm.com. Look at some of your front pages today. The Irish Independent, their lead story, Gardaí are hunting for a massive money haul, they believe convicted thief Michael Lynn has hidden in various locations. Detectives have carried out searches of five properties and frozen a number of bank accounts linked to the ex-solicitor and property developer, the Irish Daily Mail. And they're telling us that the government has made a second U-turn on accommodation earmarked for male asylum seekers as it continues to come under pressure from groups of protesters. Now, after those demonstrations, you might remember in uh, Ballinrobe in uh, Mayo, led to a reversal of plans for 50 male asylum seekers to move to um, the town, Carlotown. Uh, seemingly also the situation there been abandoned with the Department of Integration saying it will now prioritise families only Um, The Irish Examiner and again they're making reference to that story that families will now be offered shelter at that Carlo uh, premises. Also on the Examiner today, a temporary woman banned from owning dogs for 10 years continued to, to own and raise greyhounds after the court ruling it has emerged and also on The Examiner today, interesting story that male victims of sexual violence are significantly more likely than male victims to be assaulted by multiple people, according to the first study of its kind in, in Ireland. And male victims are also far less likely to report the crime to Garda than female victims, which authors of the report says uh, could be the result of stigma and rape myths and all of that. So that's a quick look at some of your front pages today you want to make comment on any of that 083311 oh, 3311 double 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 Now we spoke to Tipperary Sinn Féin, TD Martin Brown on the programme yesterday but several different uh, items, one of which was the government's immigration policy and how that might change should Sinn Féin come into government. Now, for the record, as Martin pointed out to us, Sinn Féin supports the housing of refugees here and are not currently calling for a cap on numbers, but he did make the point that there needs to be better communication and more thought as to what resources are available for people being housed in any area. One of our listeners, another Martin, um, joins me now. Martin, good morning to you. Good morning, friend. How are you? I'm very well indeed. Good to talk to you today, Martin. Thanks for your time. What, so. what do you make of the Sinn Fein stance on immigration,
2: Martin?
3: Ah, I don't know. I think it's hairy fairy, to be honest with you. I'm um, fine. A lot of it is hairy fair. if you think about it. I mean, if you look at the size of the Irish population, and take it again the populations that are actually want to come to the West, apart from even Ireland. I mean, the population in the millions. And even, and even, I was referring to one of my comments about the, the about relations that they're trying to get across the, on the boats. Yes. I made that comment as well. But, um, do you, do you mean lot, where Ross
1: was concerned, and
3: those unfortunate yeah, people in the Yeah, in the, they, in they, that. they're trying yeah. to differentiate between the people coming across that, that they're that just because they come across in the ferry or come across the boats, that they're different or not. And if and actually it was on France twenty four news, I was looking at I was looking at the at, at um, the comments. They're saying the region that they most of the migrants are trying to get across from Kelly on boat on trucks is because they can't afford the cost of it. It's between two and €5,000 just to get a seat on one of those boats. And also what's happening now is that the truckers come and are leaving the, um, the back of the lorries opened. So when the migrants come, uh, there's no sooner a lorry pulls into the port or or the area where they have to wait for shipping, the migrants surround, uh, surround the lorries looking for places where they can hide. And and that was even on GB News had that I went back looking for that that was a year ago and, and they were talking to the migrants and they're determined to get to the UK. To, they they if they get to the UK they have a better way of life and and, mm. and that kind of existence.
1: Yeah, and seemingly uh, those uh, un, unfortunate people who arrived into Rosslair Port they thought they were heading for uh, the UK and um, you know they didn't realise that they were heading to to Ireland. But Martin Brown made a very interesting point yesterday, Martin, when he said that, you know, people who would put themselves in that sort of peril, in that sort of danger, um, yeah. themselves and the children, they must be absolutely desperate. And it was a good point, wasn't it? Interesting moment.
3: It, 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 is, it is a good point. It is a good point. But the thing about it is, I'd like to, to ask, where are they getting the money to actually get from A to B and then before they come into, into Europe and move on far further? Like, From my understanding, is from looking at the, at the, new, at the other news outlets, there's organisations there waiting for them in Cali, and they're coaching, coaching them, and telling, tell them what they need to say, and, and then they, then when they meet, them, then when they come into the, get on to the next journey into the UK, they're there waiting to meet them again, to coach them through the whole system, like. But you know, I think there's, there needs to be a bigger um, look. It, they're saying that, it, it, from my understanding, they're saying that it, a lot of it is climate migration. Mm. But, but you need to go back to look at the uh, numbers. You're talking about numbers, eh? like Lampedusa. abroad in Italy now, they're saying there's thousands and thousands just crossing crossing into Lampedusa, mm. a small island. Mm. Island, and then they're try- that's in Italy, and they're trying to get into Europe. But when when do you say like we can't take any more? Like when do you say like the system is crashing? And for instance, like we we the healthcare system is we've no mm. doctors, we've no whatever it is services, schools. Yeah, imagine, but
1: but I mean, Eamon Ryan <laughs> even came out there. Was it yesterday yeah. again to say, you know, Ireland is not full. There's the, you know, it's we we can yeah, accept I, more people in here.
3: Yeah, but I, was all, I presume if you look at the, from the side of the, from the, from the point of view that the Irish population is in collapse, we're not replaced ourselves. If, if you look at from that point of view, yeah, Ireland isn't full. You could bring in more, but there's you have to look at the integration side of it. Mm-hmm. What is their belief systems? How do they integrate? Do do they add value to the community? I don't mean by in any race but do they add value to the like they're pushing that they, we need all these their their culture they, they they can enhance our culture mm. but in in a lot of situations they bring their culture and and their beliefs and they're totally opposite to what we believe like if if you look at the Muslim system like they marry nine year olds we, thats paedophilia in our country. Well, we believe that's paedophilia. Well, well, not,
1: not all Muslims marry marry
3: well, no, nine-year-olds. Well, no, so. you see, no, but no, but you—you you, can—you can say that, friend. You can deny the fact. Mm. But it is—it is—it is in their def, their religion, is their law. And if you if you if any, anybody can get on online and go look and listen to the scholars' debate, you can listen to the scholars' debate between the Muslims and the but, Christians, but and it's very my, intense. But they talk about yes. the verses.
1: But well, my my point on that is <laughs> that i mean if you if you go to the bible, I'm sure you would read a lot of stuff that would not be acceptable to us in this day and age uh, <laughs> as well if you know what i mean martin what what about that notion though that we you know even from a moral and a humanitarian point of view that we need to look after people and that in fact with but the way
3: friend, uh, for, but friend, how much money do we send to these countries through Trochra and all these other bodies? Mm. I mean, I remember as young lad, now we're doing the collect the money, and, and so I see children are still collect the money. Mm. I mean, where does all that money go, like? Yeah, I I, I I'm,
1: I'm old enough to remember the pennies for the black babies.
3: Yeah, but that's yeah. not really say yeah. But I I I give you a better one. I'm actually following other people, and, and there's another uh, suggestion there. Another suggestion is, uh, I've heard commentary going that is, what they do is they bankrupt the waste. And then if now they're flooding them with migrants, to collapse the system. And what they do is they kept, they bomb they bomb the eastern countries, because they they've no control, So they bomb the. A- and what they're actually saying—it's—it's it's making way for one world government—is what they're trying to do. This is what I'm here, what I'm looking yeah, at. But it could be, it I know, could, but it Martin, could you're, be. Martin, you're theory. smart. You're,
1: you're smart enough to know that a lot of that is—is is conspiracy theory, you know. No, and but, your
3: friend, but for a friend, for for look, a lot of the mm. theory, a lot of the stuff that was conspiracy theory turned out to be a fact. But yes, it's, so it's like of it for it, sure, yeah yeah. yeah. But, it, but but I look at things like I keep an open mind. I don't, mm. and it's the reason I keep an open mind because I don't know, yeah. and I don't yeah. feel I get the information from. No, and the, you're open enough
1: to say that, Martin, which is fair play. But yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Well, as far as Sinn Féin and the government are going, if they really believe, look, you can see there's huge opposition to all these people coming in. Mm. And the thing about it is if they really feel that they want to be uh, to, to democratic about it, well then they should ask the people about it. Ask the pop- ask the population a referendum on it. But here's the point, our, our friend, just came up when I was looking back for the videos. Sweden has issued a, wo- a dire warning to the population saying there could be war you think in Sweden. Their minister came out and said it. Because the last month, just before Christmas, they they had to bring the military onto the streets because of the violence. Yeah. And they said it was due to, to uh, um, the open border policy. the laid people and mm. they didn't know. But, but you look, look that, at what's then, happening
1: on our own streets uh,
3: where this that's is concerning. What I'm saying, yeah? But why I'm saying so you have correlation. And mm. now, look, even in Denmark, I was looking at the news channel in Denmark, and what they have, they have the same problem, and they are not giving people citizenship, and and they try to yeah, help people.
1: But, and and what do you say? I mean, if the argument there would be that okay, that you know, right wing, far right wing elements are using, uh, are using uh, this particular situation to to drive along their views. What what is your what is your reaction to that?
3: Oh, uh, I don't know, friend, I. I think there's a lot of confusion in it because I think you need to get the truth from both sides and I don't feel you get it. But here's a point for you. Look what's mm. going on in Germany with the with the, with the, with the yeah. farmers.
1: Yeah, yeah.
3: And I was listening to different um, indivi- or, um, independent news media and they were talking to the farmers and what they're saying is the government is totally against them. Their policy, German government policy, like they want to shut down the farmers. Mm. And, and the thing about it is what they're saying now to the farmers in Germany, but the government are coming out and making them they far right, they far right. Well you see they pulled the say that same tactic abroad with the truckers in, in in Canada. Where they pulled it to they kept labelling them as far right, far right, but they were saying they were in opposition to what the government were doing. They didn't agree with government policy. But then what they done was they shut down their bank accounts. And which would without quite I think off the top of my head, they had an inquiry, they found that was totally illegal. But watch now what they do to the German farmers. They're going to come out, label them as far right, far right. So and then they're going to um, watch if they attack, or close their bank accounts. The banks get into a close. Well, their, well the the
1: issue where where the German farmers are concerned, my understanding about that is that uh, you know it's it's centering around green diesel there, where the government no longer wants yeah, to subsidise that, and, and, the,
3: and, and they want to take away the the yep. um, vehicle exemption. But I think that's based on what hmm. a hole in the gap in their in their um in their budget, there's a whole in the gap and they have to close that, seemingly it's I think, off the top head, I think it's illegal, they can't do that so they have to find some way to close that gap and they're attacking the farmers Hmm. But as but, um, as far as the migration is going uh, going forward, I think there's, I, 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 I I don't think, I don't see anyone who voted on that. I don't see any of the political parties who actually. No, but look, look at look at the link,
1: polls. I mean the polls. I mean between bothered. sixty and seventy five percent of Irish people saying that you know we need to look at the numbers coming in. Yeah, now you, you, can, you can't you can't you can't brand all of those people as no. being right wing extreme racists or anything like that.
3: But, you know, but this, mm. is, this is this is this is the policy. But friend think thing about it, this is just, just not the policy in Ireland. This is right across Europe and into America and everywhere. Mm. If I was looking at, and let's just put on my conspiracy hat and be, a, be a, a kind of a thinking about, our government get elected on policy that does sound good to the Irish, but then they go to the EU, which is, I call it the globalist elites club, or they go to the UN, or they go to the WEF, which are going to the World Economic Forum, and I see a lot of the ministers, even our ministers are wearing this badge, and you see him on the, some of the UK ministers and the Canadian minister, they kind of wave all the colours, the world economic forms. It's like they get policies from there that people never vote on, and then they decide over there, oh, we're going to implement these, these policies. But so, they're not Irish policies. They're, they're well, UN the, or... Well, but, or, you but I mean, we're, we're,
1: we're part of the union, Martin. We're part of UN. We're, you know, this is, you know, so we have to take on board some of, well... Or, or, indeed, most of what it is that these directions are giving us, you know.
3: But I think, I think But the problem, with, the problem with those directions is we're not getting a say in those directions. And you can see from the same immigration. Thing. So look at this pandemic treaty just coming up. Frank. I bet your people don't have a clue what's in it. Hmm. So what it is is they're handing over the keys of the country to the world economic forum. Well, we've That's already, it. we've
1: already said. Well, the government has said <laughs> that they are. Yeah. They are pro of that and they are behind that, yeah.
3: But this, yeah. Is, well, this is what I'm trying to say. Like The government went along and made the decision. I never mm-hmm. got voting that. I didn't even know that was coming. Am I but I The, the government can't that.
1: go back to the people on every single piece of...
3: But I think the way government is going, people need to start thinking about what he's actually is government. If government tells us one thing and goes off then and, and implements these massive changes that have, have serious impact on, on Irish people but it 's not, but like I say it 's not that it 's not just Ireland that this is happening. This is happening. Mm. Look at Italy, look at Germany, mm. look at England, look at america mm. it's, it's just, It seems to be, look at Australia. It seems to be the same policy, same agenda. Only people don 't look at different outlets mm. to actually connect the all.
1: and Finally, Martin, can I ask you? I mean, you know we have elections coming up, local ones, European ones, the possibility, maybe even of a general election before the end of the year. We, I mean, I have a bit of a cheek to ask you about your votes, know, but, but, but yeah. who, who will you look to to represent you?
3: Yeah, I oh, find that's a, a good question, isn't it? I mean, the way I look at it is sure, why don't we... I could say something smart and say that, sure, eventually they'll get rid of elections. Like, this is what another heard one of those top people thought would get rid of elections. People... I know, don't but, allow but in first, we money. we have
1: democracy, and there's there's no danger of democracy <laughs> being thrown out at the well, moment. Well,
3: friend, know? here's here's the thing about. Okay, mm. Can you tell me any difference between any of the parties between the Labour? You tell me any difference between Labour, Sinn Fein, uh, Fianna Fail, Fine Gael, mm. Greens, and then you've the Demo- Democrats. Mm. All they ever do is talk. I mean, they're supposed. Well, certainly on
1: immigration, like... they would all have very similar yeah, uh, thoughts. Yeah, you'd you'd, you'd probably seems... have to look to the independents for.
3: Opposition no, yeah, to today, yeah, yeah. look, some of the independence, I, I don't know, I don't know, some of the independence, I, d- I don't know, but someone of the I'm not going to make any comment about it. I think people have to make up their own mind. Mm. But the thing about it is, like I said, going back, to, you're electing on one, po- on one set of policies mm. and and then they go off to the EU and they come back with these European policies or these mm. EU policies and they come back with these WF policies and they come back with these UN policies. Bush, we never voted on any of these policies, and you can see yourself that the services are underground, the and they're talking about opening mm. up the, the opening the country to more migrants. And so you up You'll end up with a load of different uh, cultures and beliefs, and in, mm. in, in 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 areas. And and and,
1: uh, and if if I just take that point, and, and I really need to go, if though was very interesting to talk. No, no, but yeah. can I just take that point? Like the government would say to you on that, or certain aspects of the government would say to you on that. That you know all of these different points of view, these different cultures, they enrich us here in some way.
3: They yeah, uh, Where do you see that? <sighs> where do you see them enriching us? I mean, uh. if you're building a community and you're in your and you're and you have a different belief than what uh, community you're coming into. Yeah. you all, all coming together, to not make necessarily even portion. different
1: beliefs, but I mean they might bring—I don't, I don't know, off the top of my head—they might bring but diverse, you're diversity.
3: What oh, are even your—are trying to think about it? <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I mean they bring diversity. I, I'm very slow this morning. They—they they bring diversity with music and dance I, and I literature. Don't
3: listen, and Fran, Fran, uh, Fran, I think that's only all. At, at the end of the day, it's what's on the ground, Fred. It's what's on the ground the impact on the on the Irish people on the ground is what matters. Mm. I think the Irish government are there to represent the Irish people on the ground
1: and and, the, and other, the, the the last point if I can with you is well again, the government would say to you, but we need all these wonderful people no, that, are, that no, are coming no no, no, no just no. one second martin to come and yeah. work in our hospitals and working working yeah. in our hospitality and all of yeah. that because we're losing so many of our own people um Bush,
3: you know. why are we there, Bush, why don't we stop losing our own people I mean why don't we build our own? we rebuild our own communities? Why don't we help, help Because a lot of our own like people can't see
1: a future here. They can't see how they could because build a
3: that's home. That's what I'm trying to say to you. They're, trying to, they're letting go professionals. They're letting go well-educated professionals and they're bringing in... In people that they don't have an education, really, And it's, it's actually a fact. That I'm not saying that. Ah, well, you can't no, say that about all, all,
1: all, the people. Coming no, in but you some can of them go, are highly can, educated,
3: you, in fact. Yeah, you can go through, go through their qualifications and go through what, 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 um, what their level of education and see how they add to the add to the to the society. Hmm. But there's another, I, there's another twist on all this. I suppose he's just throwing it in there. Why having the conversation? There's a lot that could be considered a conspiracy theory, but there's a lot of people. And I was listening to a U.S. Cha- a colonel. I was a general. He was talking to Kendi about his he rank, rank, and he's retired now, and he gives a lot of debates. He's on a lot of news channels. Mm. But I was listening to him having a debate, and he said he heard from way up on on high, and he wouldn't elaborate anymore. He couldn't elaborate. But he said you want to be watching that there could be a lot of U.N. soldiers coming in on those, young men of fighting age coming in on those yeah. Migrants, I, and he was I, mean, that,
1: I I heard that as well, but I mean, there's no proof. There's no. But it's like anything. what I
3: said, uh, yeah. friend. If you keep an open mind and see how it plays out, oh, right. plays out on the ground. Well, Martin, it know. was
1: great to talk to you today, and I appreciate your time, Martin. And thanks very much indeed. Thank you. Not at all, Thank friend. You. Thank you very much good, for the call. Good, take good it, morning bye, to bye, you. Bye bye, you know. That's uh, Martin. We'll take a break back in just a moment.
2: Tip today with Fran Curry.
4: With Slattery's Garage, Puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 or slattery'sgarage.ie.
1: And another of our listeners, John, is joining me now. Good morning to you, John. Uh, good morning there, Fran. How are you doing? I'm very well, John. Good to talk to you today. You were listening to that chat I had with uh, Martin Brown uh, yesterday. Um, you described yourself as frustrated by what you heard. Uh, is that fair to uh, say, John?
2: Yeah. Oh, well, that's, that's probably an understatement, Fan. to be mm. honest. I was kind of listening to it and basically, I may as well have been listening to a government minister or one of these, <coughs> sorry, NGOs that are so common these days. It was basically Kind of spouting the old usual old line that on base basically Ireland will welcome in as many people as possible. All these people are coming in are valid kind of refugees of some type, and all welcome here. And I don't know, like it's just not in touch with reality at all. Like he so he was ideas.
1: blaming the government in terms of um, the the fact that we're not not able to house our own and not able to house the refugees is down to government housing policy. I mean, that's I suppose where the difference is um, in 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 terms of the government line. Yeah,
2: there may be a slight element of truth to that plan, mm. and it's another item that I think is a big issue at present: is investment funds bringing buying mm. buildings in this country. Mm. Like it seems to be happening everywhere. It's happening it with our nursing happen.
1: homes as well, as we discovered on, on a Monday. Yeah.
2: France, yeah. I live across the road from a nursing home mm. that's closed down mm. in the last year. Every day I go out and I look at it and I kind of go, what is going to happen to this building? Mm. And my wife in particular is kind of looking at it and going, what is going to happen to this building? It was shut down a few months ago by whatever, Hickman or whatever. Mm as in it was too small for a nursing home. this is a nursing home in a small estate. Mm. So basically we are like every time I see something like Ballinrobe, Robe, Carlo, I see buildings being bought up by people who have money to house people.
1: So are you saying and this is being turned into a business then? Is 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 that what it is you people investing in this and making it's
2: money. a huge business. Yeah. It's an absolute huge business. The, all the all you have you do is you look at the figures involved, two million for hotels on a on a monthly basis. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a it's a business that's going to keep giving, you know. Yeah, but it's
1: it's short term in its own way then, because I mean you know we've heard from several people about how the the lack of hotel beds is damaging our tourism, for example. You know,
2: it is. And but the people fund people who are involved don't really care once they're guaranteed money long term. Mm-hmm. There's a hotel near me. I, I
1: do, don't, don't be too specific for me now, John,
2: if I, you wouldn't mind. I, I'll won't get me into be. trouble. Yeah. There's a yeah. hotel near me, opened mm. up for one day 20 years ago and immediately turned into a refugee center. Mm. 20 years later, it's still full of kind of refugees. Mm. And I think it's gotten it gets about 400, 500,000 a month, every month. And, and that's a pretty much wh- investment.
1: Wh- where do you see this? this Ending, do you, do you think, John? Where?
2: Well, it's very hard to, to judge, Fran, at present, because you're looking at very few political parties are representing what ordinary people are actually thinking mm. and saying. So it's a kind of a very um, difficult situation to be in. Like, obviously, the country can't keep bringing in people. I know, what's his name? Um, the Green Party guy yesterday. M- was M- M- there. Ryan, yeah. David and yeah. like, uh, Ireland's not full. Like, a lot of it is full. Mm. That kind of thing. You want to live in the kind of certain areas, you can't just kind of rock up there and move in. Mm. And uh, as I was saying, Fran, earlier today, big, a big issue is these investment funds buying huge blocks of apartments, flats, houses, and then basically our own young, young people actually cannot compete with these guys. There's an example there recently. I think over in the north side of Dublin. A kind of investment fund bought was it? Forty six houses for twenty one five million. Hmm. They're they're going to rent out these houses, there are houses for three thousand one hundred and seventy five a month. Wow. Wow. Basically how are our young people? Yeah. Going to with well, that.
1: that's why we're losing so many of our young people um to to emigration. Um Absolutely, yeah. And um, and again and I put this to Martin earlier on, you know, from in in terms of you supporting a political party then, who who do you look to do you, do you think might represent your views, John, if you know what I mean? <laughs> Sorry,
2: people in Tipperary these have someone to represent. I I live in Dublin. And we have absolutely no one. at present up here that represents the viewpoint that the majority of people actually kind of believe in. So I I I I think you've
1: nobody at all to represent you.
2: Absolutely. There is no one in our area. Where I am, two Sinn Féin, one people for profit, one Fianna Gael. None of them would would get my vote. Fianna Fáil wouldn't get my vote either. Green Party wouldn't get my vote. And, like, these are all parties that would have probably in the past voted for different strands of them. Mm. But there's actually no one to vote, but I will be voting. Definitely. Because you have to vote. It's just your kind of civic duty.
1: Right, but, but, but you, you'll struggle vote. to find somebody that you'll give your vote to, John, is that...
2: Well, yeah, that, that, that's going to be the, the, the thing. And I think a lot of people are in the same kind of thing. Like, they don't really feel that any of the parties represent them.
1: And, so, and I'm guessing then they don't feel that there's an opposition, essentially,
2: then, well, is it? there is no opposition in at all at present. Hmm. Like, the, the, you, you had a gesture where Martin Brown was basically spouting the, the government line completely. Like, it's, you know, there's the old joke that does the rounds at present of Sinn Féin, like, and their old policy was Brits out, Brits out, everyone else in. It seems to be the kind of a, kind of a shake hmm. that nowadays.
1: Well, I'm sure he'd take you up on that. And, and he, I mean, he did make the point yesterday that while the party is in agreement with people coming into the country, he said that the issue and the difficulties are because of the government's housing policies.
2: No. To be honest, there was huge money to make this. Huge money. like There's probably three, four billion a year being spent on housing refugees and people like that. like Including ones that are coming in from America. South Africa, Georgia, all these kind of places that are not really mm. refugee places because there's nothing happening Sa- in those countries. Yeah,
1: safety isn't an issue,
2: yeah. Yeah, but they're being brought in. and mm. There's huge money being made in it. And I, it comes down to it. If a building is up for sale and an investor can come in and can get a big return on buying it, it kind of puts it out of the reach of kind of locals. So, you know... It puts it out of reach. Like the house prices in this country are off the wall at present. Like young people, mm. I have four small children, so they won't be kind of buying a house for a few years, hopefully. But mm. I don't know how. And, and John, you're
1: are. you're in Dublin there. What what, yeah. what what do you make of what Mary Lou was saying then? That she'd like house prices in Dublin to go down to around three hundred thousand from where they are at the moment, where your average price yeah. is? I think it's <laughs> it's about four fifty, is it or
2: four fifty? That's yeah. a part of Dublin, you yeah, know, Tom. I, yeah. like what about that? At least, at
1: least they're trying to address house prices, even like, though the economists would say that that could be disastrous in itself too. But yeah. anyway,
2: like I, I don't know how that would work. To be honest, I, I just. You mean
1: I from a negative fight, equity which, point of view, of what it would cause? It's,
2: it's not even that. Like, how would it work? Like, really? I don't Like, know. it's kind of, it's kind of pie in the sky stuff. Hmm. You know, like because as you say, like negative equity. Some people spend more on their houses. What are they going to get? Kind of money no. back? It's what about people who have a house, they want to sell it? Or what about people who maybe someone died in the family, they want to sell the house? Like, it's kind of pie in the sky stuff. Like, why not go in with 250? That's grand deed. Like, these figures are, you know, they're they're just kind of pie in the sky figures. Yes, you're allowing in, bulk your funds to go in. And half a million in a house at the same time, and the government has facilitated that.
1: And it sounds to me, John, if I can sum up what you're saying to me, that y- you probably don't have much of a problem with individual people who are seeking solace here. But you're saying to me that indiscriminate people are using it to, to make money. And to
2: it's, it's even those poor devils that came out over the refrigerator, dreadful. they are being, they are being like they came by people smugglers, yeah. And there's no doubt about it. And there's probably loads of other people coming through Dublin Airport and all these places by a people's And we're facilitating that then by accommodating them. And it makes absolutely no sense. Because if you keep facilitating, they will keep coming. If a guy turns up in Dublin Airport without papers, he should be sent straight back where he came from. You or I or anyone else goes through Dublin Airport, you are scrutinised, passports, the works... These people are walking through Dublin Airport and then destroying their papers or whatever they're doing and then presenting themselves a few days later to the IPAS or wherever they are and claiming refugee status. They should be just shipped straight back.
1: All right, John, I I must leave it there, but thank you so much for coming yep. on with us today, John, and look after yourself and have a good New Year. Thanks, John. Thank you, and bye-bye to you know, uh, 0833 uh, On a different tack, uh, there's been posts on social media um, from people around at Clan Mill with concerns about a litter problem that's happening at the railway station. Now, uh, two... Um, a Clanmel digital transformation lecturer, uh, Bernie Goldback, a great friend to the show, uh, joins me now. Bernie, good morning to you.
5: Hey, good morning, friend. Hey, before I start, uh, answer your question. Just uh, your past uh, speaker, probably greatly intrigued by a, a subreddit thread in on Reddit uh, called Ask Ireland. And there's a lot of people, they work and they're from primarily America or Canada and they want to move to Ireland. Mm. They're asking they're asking tough questions, you know, how much tax, how much it costs to let to uh, to live here. So I mean Ireland, even with the litter problem you're about to expose in Clonmel, is a destination of choice for a lot of people, not just for asylum seekers, but like for people that you know have money in their pocket and skills. So it's interesting. Um, you know, long may that image live.
1: <laughs> yeah, it 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 is interesting. You see, there, there's so many different people coming here with oh, diff- yeah, different yeah. backgrounds, and yeah. uh, you know, some people coming here to legitimately work and do work that we need done here. It, it's such a big, complex conversation, is it not? No, Ernie, it,
5: it yeah? is. I mean, like we look in my classrooms. You know, I, just last semester, a woman from Uzbekistan, a woman yes. from Iran. Lots of Irish. And then I I was in an international classroom with Germans, Finns, Dutch, Spanish, Italians. But like um, diversity is sort of new. This kind of diversity is different kind of faces, complexions, and accents when buses, trains, or in the shops. And like, I mean, even the Colombo local bus, if you're on it, the driver's not Irish, chances are from Malta or from India. You know, so like it's it's, it's in your face, in, in maybe your space, you know, and that's the thing, you know, it's sort of new. It's a new kind of um, perspective about Ireland, which, you know, everyone has the right to say we are overloaded, too many, you know, take care of our own. I get all that, but my gosh, this has happened not just in the last Ukrainian war, but over the period of the 30 years I've been in Ireland, it's – I mean, in a sense, I'm a blow-in. i got great-grandparents that live here, Mm. but like, you know – the diversity is now in your face they don't speak the way you speak the accents different the word choice are different the complexions are different and like it's only natural for someone to say what's going on here you know we need, we need to stop this at least slow it down I don't understand what's going on here so
1: I and, get it and and before we get on to, to what the, the the real issue we're going to talk do, do you see that as a positive Bernie
5: uh, well look it's a it's a balanced perspective I've got kids who are been competing for a housing market that is stretched already. So I get that. So everybody wants to take care of their own. In my case, two kids want to take care of them, yeah. offer them an opportunity to get a place to live, they can call their own, not to just to rent it. So, you know, I'm concerned that that it's like quicksand right now, trying to figure out how in the world are they going to get anything as big as the house they live in now. They probably won't. So then will the will the living standards change to where they're allowed to build a log cabin or that they're allowed to live in a student accommodation that's smaller. And maybe goes back to the concept of bed sit or flats that used to exist 40 years ago. You know, it's it's like whoa, it's difficult because, like your caller said, you know, or Mary Lou McDonald says, we need to get every house to below 300,000 euro mm. of value. Mm. Well, you got to start deep. You got to tell the councils, look, you can't charge the builder to connect to the water. You've got a connected council. You can't charge the builder for the land. You got to buy the land and give the, the money back to the builder to build the plot. I mean, these are big problems. Really big problem. Well,
1: they, they they certainly are, and it's causing huge amounts of uh, mm. division out there, which which is a, a grave pity indeed. Um, can I ask you about the, the pictures that are in front of me then? Because you've yeah. some thoughts on that about the littering around the station. And can I just put this with the backdrop that great yeah. news for Mill, it was deemed cleaner cleaner than European norms, <laughs> according to the latest uh, uh, IBEL report. So it's just important to put that in there as well. Um, yeah. But but tell me tell me your thoughts
5: on the on, on what's okay. happening. Okay, I'm you know I use. Where I work has they have more than one campus, so I'm on that train sometimes twice a week to go on either Limerick, Athlone, or Dublin. Okay, mm. I'm on the local bus around the town, Plain Town, just like Ivo said. I you know I cycle 20k a week maybe in the winter, mm. uh, and I'm on that track. I'm standing platform side on that track, and uh, I talk to the people that provide the drivers. This little um, neck ring to have kind of safe passage all the way to Limerick Junction. And you know, I've asked them, I said, hey, what happened to the bins outside? And they said, the, the answer I got was, that's not our job. We're track side. We keep the tracks clean, the platform safe, and that's our job. When our job is not to clean bins, and clean the front of the per- front of the premises. So it concerned me when I realized oh my God, they took the bin, Irish Rail, took the bins away. So then what? You know, people are asked by the bus drivers not to eat on the bus, so they just throw their stuff on the ground before they get on the bus. That's happening a lot. I mean, you could walk across the street to where they bought the stuff, the Centra, but sometimes the Centra doesn't have its bin outside the shop. So, like, you got to go to the petrol station and then dump your stuff inside the petrol pump area. But you know, it, this has grown over months, and it happened. It probably the, the ignition point was probably when the cafe shut down, mm. and the cafe we you used to clear those bins and put the bins into the Irish Rail's tips or into bus errands tips. That that staff doesn't exist, and that you can't have S soup kitchen to do it. So, you know, when a premises is used, generally speaking, it stays clean. I mean, that was our experience with the sports hub. More bodies on the on the grid, gravel or on the track, and fewer kids torching stuff or, or trashing places. So the trash happens when there's nobody there to, to say, we own this space, thank you very much for picking up your litter. So there is a litter problem. And if an eyeball comes by and looks at or well, the Tidy Towns crew has to look at, you know, the first point of entry someone has on a bus that's on now, they're won't They won't be impressed because it is getting worse as time goes on because you have people sleeping in the covered area now. And they, they're letting behind. So, I mean, I picked up a nappy the other day. And it's just, you know, okay. uh, it, this is what's – it's not just domestic wages, someone's changing their kid before they get on the bus, nowhere to put the nappy on the on the, on the ground to go.
1: Wow, and again, the picture in front of me here is most unfortunate. It looks like there's takeaway containers yeah. and, and there's, there's drink cans and all sorts of rubbish just making it's it a look, magnet. magnet. Yeah, it's a, yeah. Mag,
5: it's a magnet unless somebody else is there looking over your shoulder saying, hey, lads, you pick that up, please? Mm. Or, hey, anyone have any rubbish? Because, I mean, a lady, I remember buying coffee from a lady in the morning years ago now, before COVID, and yeah. she'd come out front with a the brush and sweep. And it was really – it was like a pride of place. And you see yeah, that, yeah. and you're about to get on the bus. You probably think twice about throwing yourself on the ground or leaving your takeaway behind. You know, uh, so it's people. You know, and I, I, I really wish – I mean, it, it – on another I – mean, my students will say, there's nowhere to use a toilet until I get back to the campus. When I'm on the bus coming from Dengarvan or coming on the train, I can use the, the toilet on the train, but they're saying there's no freaking toilet I have to walk to, and they get to think about it, across the street to Pegart to get their so toilet. Is broken? there no toilet
1: at the station no. itself, Bernie?
5: Yeah, it is, but it's locked. It's locked. Huh? You see, you see that it's, it's a really interesting situation about you know how do you could you get it opened, but the soup kitchen says no. Wait, that's our private space now. We don't want it open, but then have us to have to clean it. So you know, it's a I think to me it's a it's a Clonmel Town Committee question. Do you want to have toilets available twice a day? four times a day from the bus come, main bus comes and when, when the um, you know, when the train comes. So, well, then somebody's yes. got to take responsibility for the key and with the key comes the sweeping brush and the toilet brush because you have to clean stuff if you, have, if you have the key.
1: All right, Bernie. Well, thank you for that. I know we're going to speak to the Mayor of Clonmel in just a few moments. Time. We'll get some clarity on, on the void that seems to be there at the moment in terms of who who should be looking after this. Thanks, Bernie, and a uh, Happy New Year to you. We'll take a break back in just a moment.
0: Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry in association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. slatterysgarage.ie
1: Oh, to continue that conversation about those litter issues at the railway station in Clonmel, I'm glad we're joined now by Mayor of Clonmel, Councillor Richie Malloy. Richie, good morning to you.
6: Uh, good morning to you, Fran.
1: I know that before we start, Richie, you want to pass on condolences, don't you?
6: He said, thanks friend just I want to pass on our sympathies to my colleague there or my both my colleagues, Councillor John Fitzgerald and Councillor Michael Fitzgerald um, Ma'am passed away there late last night, Jane Fitzgerald and you know yourself friend, when a mother passes away there's something very special yeah, sure. about your mother and I'm aware you know, that Mrs Fitzgerald was a good age but I think in you know, matter what happens I think when your mother passes away there's something about that that makes a person feel very different or very, we more sure, grown up sure. or whatever. But just yeah. uh, to offer again to our, our deepest sympathies to the Fitzgerald family and, you know, thinking of both John and Michael this morning.
1: Absolutely, and they always spoke so fondly of their mum as well and condolences from all of us here at uh, TIP-FM. Uh, that that issue, um, uh, Richie, about the litter at uh, at the railway station, I'm just looking at photographs of it here and it, it, it's pretty poor, it's pretty bad.
6: I, you know, I must say, lately my own son has been using the bus going up to Limerick. So uh, the other night, I happened to be in the railway station, and, and I, you know, I was shocked myself at the amount of litter that seemed to be gathering there, and the fact that there seemed to be no, seemed to be no bin facility. Yeah. And you know, friend, I should, I'd have to offer <laughs> congratulations, to my owner, compliments. I just the same, even when we were there, Councillor Pat English, my colleague, mm. and other person from the soup kitchen were actually sweeping the railway station yeah. that particular evening. And you see, I mean, at the end of the day with litter, and I, I missed the comments earlier on this morning, but it's there's a responsibility on us all not, you know, to watch yeah. what we're doing with our own litter, but I'd certainly be at the, the German district meeting in the morning.
1: I'd be raising mm. the issue, what has happened to the bin at the but, railway station. But who because, would have jurisdiction over it, Richie? I mean, obviously Irish Rail... <laughs> They, they have enough to do, I suppose, with maintenance and all of that, you know. So who 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 should be looking well, after this?
6: In my, my opinion, it's the Camel District Council, because at the end mm. of the day, the railway station, you know, when you come into a town, yeah. the railway station and the bus station is the first thing that you see when you get off the bus. And if we're going to create a thing that the first thing they see is a whole load of litter, mm. you know, it doesn't do well. For the town, But I was disappointed in the last few weeks, I've noticed a number of bins have been taken away for some reason. Mm. So that's something I'd be raising with the borough engineer. You see, the council are trying to introduce what they call these big belly bins. You'd see a number of them around. Yes. And these bins are excellent in the sense that they squash down the rubbish themselves and they send a signal to the council and they're actually full. I mean, that's a, a very useful thing, you know. It cuts yeah. down on chicken bins regularly, and so. But they're very costly, and I know the council. You know, I suppose funding and all the rest of it. But I think at the railway station, we do need one of those big belly bins that they're called, because that's a prime spot in Clamden, and you know we have to admit that the amount of litter in the last couple of weeks up there is shocking,
1: shocking to mm. see. And in light of that great result. Uh, in the eyeball uh, report. I mean, what a shame that one area could, could let down the town. No, you know?
6: Well, absolutely. And, you know, and I have to compliment the, the Tidy Towns Committee.
0: For sure. And,
6: yeah. you know, and I'm aware that committee is quite small, but you will see them out morning, and noon, and night. Really, you often see them on the yeah. bypass, you see them around the various streets, and they're doing all that voluntarily. And we must, you know, we must thank all those people for that. But I suppose ultimately there is responsibility on the council you know, to make sure that the town is kept clean and so on, and the railway station is such a kind of a a spot that that's where people are coming and going to the town, and, you know, I'm hoping in the morning that I get a kind of positive response. I think at the end of the day, you must provide bins.
1: Right, but you 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 will bring this up and you will pursue this, yeah.
6: Absolutely, absolutely, and what I'd be advocating for is one of those big belly bins, that you could well justify that at the Mm. railway station, and that's I think people in general will put the litter in the bin but they have to have a bin within a couple of feet they're not going to carry it too far and it's certainly very disappointing the way people seem to be oblivious of who is looking after us. Afterwards,
1: I often say that to people who are involved with tidy towns you know, uh, t- do they not get frustrated over time and time again having to go back to the same place and clean up after people I mean, it must be
6: <laughs> I mean, someone had a to me and uh, this was about the blue way yeah. that people will carry a full cup of co- they'll carry a full cup of coffee for 10, 15 minutes, 20 minutes but when it's empty they so won't cool. carry it for maybe a minute unless the bin is right in front of them They'll suddenly just chuck it underground. It's something I suppose in human nature, but it is very frustrating. It must be indeed.
1: Uh, You speak about impressions of a town. I mean, the other serious issue there is that there's nowhere for people to go to the loo uh, because the toilets are are locked. What about that, Richie? Yeah,
6: Yeah. no, I've brought that up time and time again that we must provide toilets. No, that is to do with. There and such Irish rail, because when the cafe was operating there, yeah. people were using the facilities. I, from my understanding was, even though the cafe was operated there in the last couple of years by the uh, retired soldiers, and they were saying that there was very little business being done in the cafe. People were really unused had uh, public convenience. Yes. So for some reason or other, they, they stopped um, doing that. But at the end of the day, I think it's had the local authority or Irish rail to provide a title. It's the ba- the basic necessity. I think when somebody comes off a bus, they've been on maybe for an hour, an hour and a half, you know, you must have a title. And it isn't fair on local businesses in the area to feel pressurised, I suppose to leave yeah. people used there to, you know, the way most places are, customers only. And I think that's something I'll be following again in the morning at the district meeting to see where we are at with providing public.
1: Right. And, and again, would you would you see the provision of a facility there as being the responsibility of the local authority?
6: Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, I think it is from at the end of the day because who else is going to take it on? You know, it's the local authority, or we can say Irish Rail, is their premises and, you know, their buses and trains are using it. I mean, it's actually probably one of the only towns that hasn't got uh, tidal facilities yes. because wherever you go, when you you know, I'm thinking of Limerick, Waterford, Cork. You know, obviously when you get off the, the bus or the train, there is tidal facilities there. And it, it's an expensive to provide from the local charities, of view, but I think it's something that you just have to. There's some things that have to be done by the local authority and I think that's one of them.
1: All right So you're you're going to take this on.
6: I think, and I'll be raising it again with the borough engineer. We've been liaising with Irish Rail for quite some time on this matter, but we'll just have to push it because, you know, nothing in fairness. I think just the O&E organisation had mm, provided yeah. facilities. But, you know, it wasn't fair on them. And when they weren't making any business in the actual cafe, I presume that's the reason they stopped doing it. But aside of all of that, at the end of the day, we went back, 20 or 30 years ago in the country, it was probably much poorer. There was tithed facilities in the railway station, you know. And to the fright
1: 2024, there isn't. All right, so, Richie, thanks for your time this morning. Thank you. Good morning to you. That's uh, the Mayor of Clonmel, Councillor Richie Malloy, speaking to us this morning. Um, news and information is coming up.
0: Tip today with Fran Curry
4: with Slattery's Garage. Puck on, you can't beat experience. With over fifty years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. Oh six seven two four one 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 or Slattery's dot ie.
1: Welcome back to the second hour of Tip Today. Oh eight three three double one double three double one for your text and your WhatsApp. You can email as well. Tip today at tipfm.com. We were talking about uh, litter uh, at uh, the train and bus station in uh, Clonmel just before uh, news there. One of our listeners says, Fran, people in modern society are lazy and ignorant regarding littering and dog fouling. It doesn't matter how much it's discussed, nothing will change, as it's not being enforced by the Gardaí or by the council's, How many fines were given out in the last three years in Tipperary? You could count it on one hand. Should be on-the-spot fines or taken from social welfare uh, directly. Well, you see, that's pointing the... The, the the finger at social welfare recipients and it seems to me that littering is right across the board it's not just a, a single demographic uh, Liam was on to say Fran don't talk to me about litter or rubbish in Ireland 36 years ago my boss who was a wealthy uh, German, uh, he took me to his home in Frankfurt and um, he um, showed me the green unit there. 160 massive big rubbish trucks per day bringing litter into what he called the green unit. It was an incinerator, five levels high. Each floor separating metals, paper, glass, etc. All burnables. Incinerator incinerated, producing hot water. The hot water piped down the streets through six-inch lagged pipes, and that was made free to schools and hospitals, but businesses had to pay. The gases were all harnessed. The glass goes to recycling. Uh, metals uh, melted to be reused again. Ireland, 36 years on, look at where we are. The councils are dumping in landfills, and you might even say the councils, in fact, are one of the biggest Polluters, says Liam, uh, on double three double one. Now, I spoke on the programme yesterday to Dr. Billy Ralph, who gave us um, a perspective on the excess deaths around uh, COVID and many other issues, indeed, that he brought up with us yesterday. I haven't seen a response similar to it for quite some time. One of our listeners, Andy, was in touch and joins me now. Andy, good morning to you.
7: Yeah, good morning, Fran. Thank you for having me on.
1: You're very welcome indeed. You were listening to the interview yesterday, uh, Andy, and you you're of the opinion we need some balanced conversations around what happened.
7: Well, absolutely. Uh, I mean I think Dr. Ralph finished with, you know, or close to close to his, his interview with you yesterday, he finished with, you know, what's wrong with having a discussion mm. like we're having one now? What's wrong with talking about all these things that, that people have to say? and uh, pitching, you know, one doctor with one opinion against another doctor who was another and and tease it out and let people understand, you know, both sides of the story. You know, he he talked about um, many doctors and experts who who spoke out out over the last three or four years and, and they offered reasonable opinions and yet they were vilified for doing so. And suddenly their careers that, you know, were respected up until then... Uh, that, you know, there was all sorts of aspersions cast against them and and they were vilified just for having a reasonable opinion and asking some questions. And that's one of the things that I think that has been missing in the last couple of years is that there has been no balance. You know, why were we not talking about these kind of things three years ago? Why was Dr Billy Ralph not on your radio show three years ago or on RTE or News Talk or Independent? You know, his opinion was valid then. He was saying the same thing as I'm saying now three years ago, but yet those voices were not heard. Why?
1: Could I put it to you that the possibility there, and I'd love to hear your opinion on this, is that we were in unprecedented times. We were in uncharted waters Um we weren't sure we were listening to the science and that's what was pushed all of the time and we were trying to protect each other in the best way we knew how at that point is that too benign a look at what happened
7: in one sense it's not and i think if you if you allow for the fact that uh, initially there was panic initially there was Uh, a lot of unknowns. Uh, People were reacting to what they were being told and and they were afraid. They were being shown all sorts of uh, images that Mm. some of them have turned out to be nonsense since, but all sorts of images of people dying in the streets. And they were afraid. So, yes, in the initial period, it was understandable that we would have, you know, maybe a knee-jerk reaction. But six months down the line, there were far too many experts uh, from, with, with differing opinions for us not to take a step back and say, what's going on here? What's actually going on? And I, I pretty knew from the start when I'm looking at every single politician, every single media outlet saying the same thing. I mean, I'm, It's like, who wrote this script? Who wrote this script that everybody seems to be singing from? It's the same story. Nobody has a different opinion um and i'm I'm looking at at that situation so yes in the initial period um there was perhaps some some uh, credence for saying yes we can we were an unprecedented at times but very quickly it became clear that you know there wasn't as many mm-hmm. uh people dying as people were saying there wasn't uh, a pandemic of the nature that, was being portrayed on on the, the the national media, so it should have there should have been um, a situation where, like I said, that people like Dr. Ralph could have come on, or Dr. Marcus Debrun, or you know other doctors mm-hmm. in Ireland here who were speaking out, or other doctors um, all over the world who were speaking out and saying, "Hold on, here, this is not. There's a, there's other sides to this story here that need to be heard." So that's what I mean by having a balanced situation.
1: I I must put it to you, though, that as a broadcaster, I know that our big fear at the time was that we would say or do anything that might put people's lives in danger. And therefore, we were looking for direction and we were looking for advice from the people who we voted in to to represent us. And we were looking to the people who we would hold in very high esteem in terms of the medical community. I mean, that is that not a fair enough assessment of an unprecedented situation, do you think, Andy? Or what, am I being too kind to ourselves there?
7: Well, it, it, looking back over the last four years, I I think absolutely you've been far too kind. But, I mean, like I said, in the initial period, I can give people, uh, you know, uh, understanding for, for having fear and... Um, for being fearful about situations and indeed yourselves about well what do we do here and we've got to take we've got to take the word from the experts but when people came along and started to challenge those things, they were shut down there was there was no no effort to to say well hold on this expert is saying this why why can we not tease that out and why can we not uh, put that expert against you know uh, some some of our speakers that, uh, they were coming out and saying uh, there was there was a lot of deaths and why can we not have some balance? So, when I when I um, Dr. Ralph spoke about the, the, the doctor uh, from Oxford that came over and spoke to the doll and said, you know, masks are useless. Indeed, our own Luke O'Neill came on the late late and said masks are useless, but yet a couple of weeks later, who told him to say, well, actually, no, they're not? Uh, so, um, when you have those experts coming uh, but, but to the but door, I put
1: it to you that it was a learning experience, I suppose, for for everybody because it was uncharted waters. Oh.
7: Well, yes, but it, does it not show that we have a lot of slow learners, maybe, who are making uh, decisions, and and mm. um, these so-called experts who are coming on? When when you had, I mean, I had the I had the same opinion three years ago, but yet when I wrote to. Uh, radio stations, or when I wrote to newspapers to offer my opinion or to to uh, write a letter to the editor, they, they weren't published. Yeah. Why? Because I, I just happen to have a different opinion. Well, I, and, I can't I, I can't speak I might, for
1: why Andy, but do you mm. take do you take my points that maybe the editors would be in the same position as people like myself? I mean, all we were trying to do at the time was keep. It. I mean, I can put my hand on my heart and say there was no ulterior motive other than trying to keep people safe. You know. Saving
7: lives. Well, uh, well, yes, but that is that is a matter a that's running thin right now. You know, mm. I mean, why why are you having me on speaking today? Why did you have Dr. Ralph on? You have where we were talking about excess deaths, mm. and uh, you know, in, during the year of the so-called pandemic in in 2020, there was a, a small amount of access, excess deaths. In fact, you know, at the time, I was getting some figures from the GRO. Um, mm the General Registry Office. Now, I know it takes three months to register, but I'm looking at figures here uh, that were sent to me in March 2021 20, from the GRO. And i have just calculating them, you know, yearly. I've missed, missed out on, on, on one year because you, you came on to me before I was finished calculating the number. They were, they're, they're listed in, in months. And, you know, Dr. Stan spoke about deaths decreasing since 2015 to mm. na- 2019. There's mm. no evidence of that on in these, in these uh, figures of uh, from the GRO. Right. It's it's pretty consistent. Indeed, 2018 had 1,684 more deaths than 2020, according to the GRO figures. Mm. Now I know they're not absolute because... Well, I was just yes, going to make
1: that point to you. Yeah. yeah. yeah.
7: But it's mm. three months after when they sent me, and most deaths are registered within mm. a three-month period. So it was... March thirty first, twenty twenty one, and, and you on. did.
1: You did ask me why are we talking to you now, Andy, and why did we speak to Billy yesterday? I suppose it's in light of the fact that now we will be examining, I suppose, what went on from from a distance, so to speak, and there is that notion of you know how we're going to do that and how we're going to evaluate how we dealt with the the pandemic. So that that's the reason we're talking about this.
7: I, and I and I think that's great. And and yes, I mean, people like me are saying this is long overdue. Uh, but, yes, and I think it's great that you're doing that and I commend you for doing so. Um, but, you know, we talked about the OECD report and you had um, Patrick Walshon on uh, in, in recent times. And he's been giving interviews recently about um, the figures. And what the OECD report is attempting to do is lump the figures of 2021 and 2022 in together so that it muddies the waters, in 2020, the supposedly year of the pandemic, the highest possible excess deaths that can be seen anywhere is something like 5 or 6%. If mm. I'm looking at the GRO figures here, it's showing no excess deaths. But let's assume it's 5%. Mm. Look at the amount of restrictions and rules and regulations and um, nonsense that went on in 2020. It, it, yes, yeah. it, some of it in panic, like you've just said. And now, in 2021, uh, Patrick Walsh has shown that there's at least 14% excess debt. In but, 22, but 18% you, you excess debt. Statistics in 23, and... the same. Just let me sure, finish. In sure. 23, he says it's looking the same, and we're we're not talking about them.
1: But we're, you, we're have, you have you have statistics and you have data and you have damn statistics and all of that. You know, I mean, I, I was looking through this over the last few days and it is a web of complexity in terms of trying to compare figures and stuff of where they're coming from and what's behind them and all of, all of that. Um, is it too late as far as you're concerned to have these discussions now?
7: Absolutely not. No, we right. need to be having these discussions and we need to be having these open, honest discussions uh, you know yes. on the mainstream you know on on the the, the main tvs and and uh, radio stations
1: yes and uh, are you nat- concerned nat- in any way as to how we will examine and adjudicate our reaction to the pandemic are are you concerned about how that will happen
7: well well i would be because when you look at and when you listen to dr stans on your radio station a couple of, uh, a couple of days ago you you realize that you know when somebody like that comes on as an expert and you end up at the end of, of his interview and you're more confused than than when he started and you're thinking what is going on here you know yeah, one but, of the I mean that's that, not
1: just Dr Staines I mean it's no, such no, a complex no, but thing one of, I, one of the things
7: one of the things that that has has um, cor- one of the things that has correlated with the rise in, in excess deaths is the fact that the vaccine was introduced in 2021 but you're not allowed to say that mm you suddenly it's like but why not why not examine why 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 are people like dr stans and others so invested in protecting the fact that it might not or might be a vaccine what what why can we just not but, out but the good see, doctor is, a,
1: a, I mean, I don't want to personalise this, but a very Absolutely eminent not. guy yeah. with with a very well-respected career and all of that. So why shouldn't we listen to him, Andy, in the same way as we're delighted to listen to you today? Yes, well? you we, know, should. I mean, we that's, should. That's the way it should
7: be, is it not? Absolutely. Yeah. We yeah. should, and, and I'm glad that you did. And and one of the things that I picked up from him when, when he said it was that, he said, you know, and this is a direct quote, you are 10 times more likely to die from COVID if you are not vaccinated. Mm. than if you are vaccinated. Yeah, well I'm saying, where, that... where is the, evi- where well, is the evidence well, for this, Dr. Stance? Well, I, I, can't,
1: I can't tell you that, but, I mean, he is an expert in his field, and that's, yes, that's his but, opinion. But, that's his opinion.
7: But, yeah, but, I mean, it, uh, that's an opinion, but, I mean, if he's an expert, he needs to base that. In fact, Well, now, I'm, sure, we...
1: I'm sure he could if we had him here to do well, so, but, and we okay, don't have so, him here this, now, So
7: let's think, take yeah. that statement. We are ten times more likely to die if we're not vaccinated. Does mm. that mean that ten times more people who have died in the last three years, uh, were unvaccinated?
1: Yeah, well, I, I, I don't know. I can't give you the stats uh, to that.
7: Um, well, I mean, do... I would think, I would think that's, you know, just from anecdotal evidence that that's ridiculous. But, right. but I would love to see where those figures come from.
1: Okay, well, maybe it's something we can ask, ask uh, Anthony Staines at some uh, future date. And um, just before I let you go, Andy, this—do you think that this is starting to open up the conversation at least? Absolutely, right.
7: Absolutely, it is, and I'm delighted that it is, and I'm delighted to. To have my opinion and and I suppose as you as you hear from me I'm you know I'm um, I, I suppose it's like there's so much I, I wanted to say over the last few years and have not been allowed and not mm. been able to and you know doctors the, the, the different people mm. have said about you know social media conversations about this that and the other and yes there's there's perhaps quite a lot of um, social media. Um, conversations going on about all sorts of different things, but why? Mm. The reason they're going on on social media is because mainstream media won't, won't. Uh, of of um, course, but beca- interview people and won't. But talk by to the people.
1: nature, by the nature of social media, Andy, I'm sure you'll agree, it is so hard to find what the core issues are and what the core truths are because you have to wade through so much stuff. Do you know? Mm. Do you know what I mean? This
7: is this is back to my original point of let's yeah. have a discussion That's and, exactly and you were talking about you, you
1: you writing the papers and wanting to get on air over the last few years would you mind if I asked your your background Andy what what is your background
7: Well my background is is uh, natural health and nutrition so I you know I grew up in a time where you know when when one child had had an issue or a challenge or measles or mump or a detox going on everybody came together and had a party with the cousins because you know we weren't afraid of uh, viruses and bacteria they're all around us. And and suddenly we've become so scared of normal, natural things that that people didn't get scared about, you know, and and that's my natural thing, is that,
1: Right, but but again, I'd have to put it to you, at the time, I mean, there was no comparison with measles or something, because largely people don't die from that, but again...
7: In how it was betrayed, no. In how it was betrayed, it, it looked as if it was something unbelievable, and... And it turned out very quickly that we realised it's not. Right, but you of know, course, an like... awful lot of
1: people did die from COVID. You know,
7: I mean, you... well, well, well. I mean, that's that's what I kept asking. Where are the dead people? In 2020, if you look at the figures from the GRO, you don't see them. Where are they?
1: Uh, well, again, it's all about stats and looking into numbers and stuff. And I was just exhausted from trying to come up with something from... from and most people from, were. Yeah,
7: and, yeah. and when you're exhausted and when you're fearful, you'll yes. follow who you think is right, the expert. but we
1: did see those coffins in in Italy. And I remember the very evening I saw it. It's still with me, Andy. It scared the living you know what out
7: of me. I know. And that's what I'm saying is those images scared the living. And some of, some of them... Some of them turned out to be bogus things. You were looking at people dying on the street, falling down on the street in China. Nonsense. Like, you know... So who who did you see where did you see the coffins loaded up in Ireland where did you see the the people dying on the streets walking down the streets in Ireland well, you're we, seeing them now yeah, you're but, seeing but people we... fall fall on football pitches now and nobody's talking about that right. you know well, well, sport people, no, people who fairness,
1: are, Andy, people are talking about that though, well, well okay yes, that,
7: not that, not you know? not enough is is been talked right. talked about that because you know I I haven't seen I watched sport for many many years and I haven't seen so many young people who are um, you know, who are suffering from uh, disease and heart attacks and stuff like that that you know wasn't the norm years ago. Um, Dr. Ralph referred to Dr. Um, Angus Dalbiisch, professor of oncology in, Lo- in London, mm. uh, or yeah, oncology. And he's talking about the young people that are dying in the with, 30s, with 40s, cancers, 50s and 60s from cancers.
1: Alright Andy from, I must leave yeah. it there for now but I'm sure we will be taking it up again and thanks so much, we appreciate your time today Andy. Well thank
7: I really you. hope so and, and I, I thank Tip FM for, for having this on and I, I think it would be valuable to have you know, dissenting voices come on here and tease things out and you know, um, yeah, it's great, great that I sure. that, I've, that I've been able to speak to you, and thank you very much for your time. Thanks,
1: Andy. Thank you. Good morning to you. Eighteen hundred nine three eight double o seven.
4: Tip
0: FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry in association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie.
1: another huge reaction uh, to uh, Andy's uh, chat with me there. I'll bring you some from that uh, a little later on. But right now, something different. An ITV series telling the story of how many post office workers ended up in court and owing thousands. Due to a computer uh, computer glitch has sparked huge political reaction in the UK. Here's a trailer for a show called Mr Bates and the Post Office.
7: The computer system Post Office spent an arm and a leg on is faulty.
8: No one else has ever
2: reported any problems with Horizon. No one. You're responsible for the loss.
7: I haven't got that money and I don't know where it's gone.
1: These deficits were most likely caused by you. That is the post
7: office case.
0: All our hopes, all our savings down the pan.
7: That was a lie, actually. We are fighting a war against an
0: enemy owned by the British government. While we're just skint little people. This is about the reputation of the post office. It's not, it's about people's lives, you moron.
7: Finally... 555
0: of us now, ready to tell our stories.
1: That show's called Mr. Bates and uh, the Post Office. Bernard Purcell is editor of the Irish World in London, and he joins me now. Bernard, good morning to you. Good morning, friend. Uh, thanks so much for your time this morning. Uh, this is just an incredible story. Will, will you give us uh, the background to it, Bernard?
9: it's been running for more than 21 years. Uh, The Horizon IT system owned by Fujitsu was first introduced in 1999. Uh, It became clear within a few years that uh, there were some irregularities. Uh, What we've seen now is um, an acceleration of uh, response just in the past week, because as recently as last week, Rishi Sunak said it had nothing to do with him. But the four episodes of this ITV drama uh, featuring uh, uh, Alan Bates, who's now 69, who's been leading the uh, struggle against it the past 21 years, has caught the public imagination and now the rush among MPs to, uh, including some rather conspicuous individuals, uh, to take the side of the Coastmasters uh, has been uh, really quite striking. There are a couple of um, lone voices who in years have been banging the drum for the uh, postmasters. Uh, But even of um, some 93 who won their appeals, uh, I should point out that um, Mr Bates uh, won his action against the post office in the High Court about five years ago. Um, And the current... Uh, Tribunal of Inquiry which is non-statutory was uh, announced in September 2020. Today it's resumed after the winter break um, and one of the investigators, Stephen Bradshaw, uh, of whom some quite uh, stern criticism has been Mm. made by those who came um, under his purview, is giving evidence and he's maintaining that it has nothing to do with him. Uh, The Something like, I mean, there are thousands of people involved. There are 600 um, or thereabouts uh, who were wrongly accused and had like, um, 93 of them won an appeal. Uh, but there are something like nearly 3,000 people who were bankrupted, who were uh, accused of theft, uh, who lost their businesses. Um, I think some 60, um, maybe wrong on the figure here, but I think something like 61 people have died since this began. Uh, 800 were wrongly prosecuted. Uh, and to add insult to injury, a couple of years ago, uh, the post office um managed to get the government here to pick up the bill for the compensation scheme once it had run out of road uh, there is plenty of evidence of the post office having withheld information of having um, known about this along had, uh, all along having um, obstructed any kind of uh, investigation into it and there's been plenty of evidence because Periodicals like Private Eye, mm. Computer Weekly, uh, individual journalists uh, have been covering this for many, many years. But what has given it a critical mass is the ITV uh, documentary, uh, not documentary, but the ITV drama yes. starring Toby Jones from last week. And one um, questions are beginning to uh, ripple from that, including uh, the role of the boss of the parent company, the post office, uh, Adam Crozier, uh, who was until about two years ago, the boss of ITV, but he's not mentioned in the drama.
1: Yeah, and uh, just for clarity, it's a piece of software um, created by this Japanese company. I presume it automated accounts or something. Is it? Is that what it did for the sub-post office? It,
9: tally, it tallied the balance and kept finding a shortfall. Um, and every individual sub-postmaster who was told that they had their hand in the till uh, were told that they were the only people to report to the problem uh, with it. Now, this... Um, as is becoming clear from the inquiry, as well. Oh, I see uh, what you mean. The individual sub
1: place. the individual sub postmasters they didn't know that other others had. No.
9: Oh no. wow. Each one each one was told they were the only person to in isolation. Wow. Company. Yes.
1: Wow. That's that's so the... absolutely incredible. And you'd imagine, I mean, obviously these people were represented in a, in a court. Then did barristers not say, well, look, you know, let's examine the software or
9: There is a question being asked about the um, readiness with which uh, defence barristers accepted the post office evidence. Uh, The post office took private prosecutions, uh, as it was entitled to do under the law here. Um, And there are questions being asked about the extent uh, to which uh, defence barristers should have been uh, more critical. Some did. Uh, Raised and a lot of the time they were uh, they were basically obstructed and ignored. Uh, information was withheld by the post office. Um, as I said, some pushed and pushed. Um, obviously, people like Mr. Bates. And there were 93 successful appeals, and um, it's only uh, grudgingly and very very slowly that the post office, having offloaded the financial responsibility to the government. Um, in drips and drabs, admitted uh, any kind of responsibility or uh, made information available. Uh, there's now been a rush from people on high to say that they were lied to by the post office. Um, Paula Venels, who was the um, mm. chief executive of the post office between 2010 and 2019, uh, received something like uh, 2.2 million in bonuses. She and uh, fellow directors, incidentally, um, were given bonuses for given giving unhelpful information to the uh, to the inquiry uh, a couple of years ago which has um, incensed some people but uh Government ministers now, including the justice minister, uh, are talking about clawing potentially clawing back uh, 2.2 million bonuses and also looking to get Fujitsu, which has been awarded government contracts worth billions in the past few years, including during the time when Rishi Sunak was prime minister and claims never to have known anything about uh, the post office scandal, despite the fact Fujitsu was synonymous with it and was still getting uh, contracts. Um, Let us talk about perhaps uh, clawing a billion pounds uh, back from Fujitsu.
1: The other thing I'm not completely across is, did the post office, Bernard, continue to use Horizon, this software? Yes. Yes. Until relatively recently? Yes. Wow. Even though they would have known that there was an issue.
9: Yep, and it also, well, that's the whole point of this. And it also tried to rig um, the historical... Uh, for r- rig compensation uh, to sub postmasters uh, who had been declared bankrupt or had lost their livelihood with what are called the historical shortfall scheme, um, there's two consp- uh, right two egregious uh, instances. Uh, one uh, sub postmaster ended up with just fifteen pound seventy five in compensation, having uh, been made bankrupt in two thousand and one. Uh, sorry, he, he, and then there was another one who. Uh, was made bankrupt in 2001. 20 years later, it was awarded £330,893, but um, all but £8,000 of that was withheld and clawed back. Mm-hmm. People have lost their lives, they've lost their marriages, they've lost their livelihoods, they've lost their reputations. And this has been known about for many, many years of people shouting into to the wilderness. I mean, the inquiry was set up in tw- uh, announced in 2020 after the 2019 uh, court victory. But it has taken that drama last week and Toby Jones and others um, to uh, get any kind of public response because this is an election year and a lot of MPs and ministers are now running for cover. There are some who have uh, acquitted themselves with honour. The po- current Post Office Minister, uh, hollandrake uh, was apparently an advisor on the drama. There's uh, a Lord Arbuthnot who's been campaigning for... Uh, and he's featured in the uh, drama, who's been uh, working at this in a tirelessly and lonely capacity for something like 15 years. Um, and there's a um, Labour MP, Kevin Jones, similarly, and they have been ploughing a lonely furrow for a long time.
1: it's It's been described in Westminster as one of the greatest miscarriages of justice in, in uh, UK's history. Would you go along with that, Bernard?
9: I'd say it joins a pantheon of dishonours because at the same time you've got the uh, contaminated blood scandal oh, where there's people dying every day mm. and that um, goes back to the 70s and the, uh, the courts justified, I think, um, justified, oh, the 80s I should say, uh, but the courts justified um, not finding in favor of the victims of that because of what's Taught in law school as the floodgates argument that it would be unmanageable uh, unmanageable levels of compensation uh, attitudes have changed obviously since then there's also the windrush scandal uh, which while not on uh, well arguably not quite on the same scale in terms of volume and numbers um, it makes the blood boil and is outrageous and the, uh, people have died and there's of course the Grenfell uh, scandal so uh, there's a it's among there, and then you can find a number of historical instances of uh, uh, injustice and uh, miscarriage of justice. The one thing that is uh, striking about this one is perhaps the profile of the individuals and the victims themselves, who would be uh, pillars of the community, utterly trustworthy, but who were demonised, and um, the, the sheer numbers. And, of course, the people at the top take it just being financially rewarded year in, year out.
1: It's an incredible story and uh, speaking of incredible stories before I let you go, Bernard, can I ask you about reaction in the UK to the news in recent days, more revelations about Prince Andrew's friendship with uh, Epstein and claims again about uh, sex with underage girls and so Um, It seems that the um, support for the royal family uh, in the UK is at its lowest uh, ever from what I'm reading on social media. Is that is that fair to say?
9: Well, um, Andrew would be The uh, weak link, Um, most people don't tend to have strong views unless something is fermented like the uh, Harry and Meghan uh, controversy or the attempts to do that. But um, a poll of popularity last year suggested that uh, Andrew's approval ratings are 8% uh, positive. 70% negative, Um, is at the moment he's squatting in Royal Lodge in Windsor, Mm. refusing to uh, move from his 30-room mansion uh, to the more modest five-bedroom Frogmore House that uh, had been occupied until recently by Harry and Meghan. Um, He's arguing that uh, he has a lease until 2078. Uh, There's lots of briefing and counter-briefing going on um, sources close to Andrew um, as the phrase goes have been saying that uh, the king king's blood is thicker than water mm. uh, so he never acts against him but equally there are plenty of um, briefings that uh, Prince William uh, would not um, tolerate him and wants to see him um, out of the public eye now uh, while the while sympathy or tolerance for the royal family uh, as you say is in deep at the moment Um Where Andrew's concerned, that jeopardizes uh, any kind of potential um, sympathy or support for them. And and it's ironic because for many years we've had uh, had people around them saying that, oh, well, we can't have the uh, majesty and the grandeur diluted by having a more pragmatic bicycle monarchy monarchy like you have in Scandinavia, Mm -hmm. as you have in Queen Um, Margarita. He is an existential threat. To the
1: um, existence of the royal family in its current form. Wow. Well, uh, Bernard, we always appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you for coming on with me today. Thank you. Good morning.
9: It's
1: always to a you. pleasure, Grant. Thank Cheers. you. That's uh, Bernard Purcell there, editor of the wonderful Irish World uh, newspaper. It's so important to Irish people in London and in the UK. All right then, let me take a break. I'll be right back to you.
0: If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip Today on 1-800-938-007. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the premier county. Slattery'sGarage.ie
1: Now, you're very welcome back to uh, Tip Today. We received a letter uh, to our dear Phil Slot from a concerned mother about uh, her 19 year old daughter um, on OnlyFans and uh, celebrating uh, celebra- selling explicit photographs for extra money. Now, to tell us more about the platform and uh, to offer some advice, I'm glad to be joined by Dr. Caroline West, sex educator and relationship columnist with the Irish Independent. Uh, good morning to you, Caroline.
10: Good morning, how are you?
1: I'm very well indeed, great to talk to you today. First of all, what can you tell us about OnlyFans?
10: Yeah, yeah, it's just exploded in popularity, um, specifically since the pandemic, because a lot of people who maybe perhaps would be involved in sex work couldn't do it as much, because obviously getting up close and personal with another person um, was a little bit risky during the pandemic, so some people pivoted online and obviously OnlyFans kind of took advantage of that and built a massive empire, like they're they're enormous now. So that's where people can go on and sell explicit pictures. Or like there is a non explicit part as well. There's gest- sharing no. recipes and stuff, but I think yes. it's mostly Yes, influencers
1: are like on it as well.
10: How how do they Absolutely. get
1: paid? Uh, by the way, Carlin? how do, how does the money get into their bank accounts?
10: So the the, the company will take oh, their is that what percentage. It is? Yes, okay, yeah. right. Yeah. So it, it's not free. Like so, everything you get, you can sell pictures for like whatever it is, whatever you set it as, like 20 euro a month or whatever. Um, but the company will take a percentage of that.
1: Right. Um, To our dear Phil Slot, our Agony Ann slot. then we got a letter from a very concerned mother. Her 19-year-old daughter, she found out, is on OnlyFans. Uh, The mother didn't even know about OnlyFans at the time. She's appalled and upset, you know, confronted her daughter. Her daughter says, nothing to see here, basically. I'm only sharing pictures of myself online. In fact, she sees it as being empowering for a young woman.
10: Yeah, I mean, it's a complicated discussion that's been going on for decades. You know, is sex work empowering or is exploitation? And do we even call it sex work? Do we call it prostitution? You know, these are massive debates that I don't think there's an end in sight for seeing, you know, the one direct answer. So it really just depends um, how she's using it, how she feels about it. But... Obviously, you know, it is something that because there's records online that may come up at another point in her life that she might not want that to be. So instead of, I suppose, having a a response where the the young person doesn't feel like, oh, I I can go to my mum because she might be judgmental or angry to sit down and talk to her and say, look, of course she'd be angry and upset and shocked and all those things, you know, that, that's absolutely normal, but it's looking at how can you keep her safe as much as possible and, you know, be that person that if she does need help and support, that she feels like I can go to my mum because my mum will support me even if she doesn't approve of what I'm actually doing, so that's kind of the key, I think.
1: And, you know, at 18 or 19, you know, I take it back to when I was that age myself, I mean, we're... We don't have all the facts in terms of some of the decisions that we make at that time. Is there any danger that her mental health might be affected by this in years to come?
10: Yeah, well, I mean, all jobs can have an impact on our our mental health, you know, Um, definitely, you know, after working in social care for a long time, I can definitely um, attest to that. So I think what's important for her is that if she joined a support group, there is the Sex Workers Alliance of Ireland and they can um, support her in, you know, relevant stuff to, to sex work, but also just to have you know, people that she can talk to if she decides, you know, maybe I'm doing this for the wrong reasons or maybe I'm doing it for the right reasons and want to talk about it. So which, whichever it is, just that she can find strength in community. And I think that's really important. And, you know, if she's feeling like this is a very negative thing for her, you know, there is counselling out there. Um, if that's what, you know, she wants. Her student union, if she's in college, will probably have, you know, their welfare officer and, and they'll talk to people about it. But it's just looking at, you know, Obviously, she can't stop her doing it, but it's like, how can we do this as safe as possible? And um, you, you know, is it are you stuck for money? Can I help you out with that part? Or you know, is it just a way for rebellion or independence? You know, all those different reasons there. So I suppose just yeah, the key is just like seeing mm. you know that she could be as safe as possible and that she is supported. And I suppose to realise that you know, she might think it's great and you have to have a subscription service, but people do screenshot the images, course, and yeah. you know, so they can go beyond what you think they'll, they'll go mm. beyond. So just to be aware of that. So you yeah, can and make
1: that th- that's certainly would sum up the worries of, uh, of, of the mum. It also, I'm just reading between the lines on the letter here in front of me as well. It seems to me the daughter probably wouldn't see it as sex work per se.
10: Yeah, this is a new thing now because people think of sex work as in physically having sex with with somebody. But it's not. Sex work can be stripping. It can be writing erotica for some people. So it's a massive umbrella term for a lot of people. You know, some people don't even have super explicit pictures on OnlyFans. They're more like lingerie pictures and some it's like full-on porn. Like, you know, they're showing kind of everything and intercourse and all that kind of thing. So Whatever language works for her to be able to describe it, but it it would generally fall under the category of sex work.
1: Right, and the other thing that the daughter told her mother was that, um, I'm just trying to find a line here, yeah, she said, relax, which is always very annoying if somebody tells you, relax, she said. It's no big deal. Most girls my age are doing this to make some extra money. Um, Would you see that as being, is there an element of truth? Are a lot of young women doing this?
10: I think they are, yeah, and and a lot of other people, like trans people and men and, like, it seems like everyone kind of has an OnlyFans these days. Um, So it has become a bit more normal, uh, you know, and a lot of people who would do OnlyFans would never do, you know, uh, sex for sale as Mm. such, you know, like in-person sex for sale. Um, So it doesn't mean that she's going to go down this big path now of, you know, destroying her life or anything like that. It might just be a normal thing for people her age. Um, so it's just like, you know, can you give her the facts? Can you point her in the direction of support services like the Sex Workers Alliance so that, you know, she doesn't feel like she's on her own and she feels like you have to keep going with it or, or even that, like, oh, I have to do this because my friends are doing it. You know, like that peer pressure, it doesn't mean that, you know, just because your friends have it doesn't mean, you know, you have to do it. It's like sharing nudes. is like a really common thing nowadays. You know, that's just what people do. Um, and you know, digital intimacy is just another part now of her intimate lives because you know the, that's what the internet is for. In a lot of cases, it's, it's for. Of course. Um, and and can people?
1: And 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 here's one of my many worries about this, especially as a dad. But can people interact with her when she's online on OnlyFans? Can like can they type yeah, messages yeah. to her? How how does that? Uh,
10: Absolutely, yeah, and, and so that can be set up as well and to be monetized, so you can send messages or pictures or something like that, and obviously if it's, um you know, messages that you don't want to receive, you can block the people and report them to the platform, things mm-hmm. like that, and it is interesting to note that if, if someone does take screenshots of the content, you can report them under Coco's Law because that's using images, yes. it's, it's stealing content, you know, Um, and if someone's saying, oh, you know, I'm going to... Sh- Tell your parents that you're doing only fans if, if you don't do XYZ. So that's still covered um under the law because that's threatening behavior and blackmail and so it, it would be covered under mm. the new Cocos law, which is really important to know.
1: Which is great, but the images would be out there at that point.
10: They would be out that's, there, that's yeah. The danger, but it's isn't so, it, yeah. Yeah, like, and I mean, you know, part of that is like us as Irish people getting used to the fact that it's just a naked body. You know, Mm -hmm. there's no no inherent shame in being a woman with a naked body. Mm -hmm. And it's just a new conversation we're having to have because we've come from, you know, a few hundred years of um, a a Catholic conservative society Mm -hmm. that said good women are women who stay in the home and have loads of babies and run the home. So it's a whole new world that we're kind of having to learn about conversations. And I saw a tweet a few years ago that was really interesting. That was like, if women are running for political roles, we're going to have to have a conversation about are there nudes of them from their younger days? Because that's just what lots of people do. So gonna um, it's it's, just a, it's a new era, I suppose, in, you know, how we talk Isn't
1: about it just, these things. Yeah. I, my, my main concern about it, and I'm not too prudish about these things, so long as it wouldn't damage the young woman herself. But I, I would just worry about the content of some of those messages she might be receiving and how that might affect her mentally. And it could be body shaming or it could be whatever, you know.
10: Absolutely. You know, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like there's a, you know, and, and some people are respectful and some people are not, you know, and you're going to get that. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, there are a lot of clients um, when it comes to sex work that are not respectful. um, You know, sex workers do get targeted yeah. for extra violence and um, are at risk in those kind of cases. So if she's finding that that has that impact, that's where, you know, she can reach out. She can maybe think, is this where I want to go? Do I want to be in this world or do I want to develop strategies, you know, of how to manage it as well? So there are options you know and maybe she might decide oh I've done it for a year that's it no big deal you know so whatever kind of works for her just once she feels like I'm alone in this and I don't have support that's the real kind of danger point for her
1: Caroline some great advice there and uh, thanks for your time this morning Caroline thank you good morning no to you bye bye to you now and mm-hmm. uh, that's uh, Dr Caroline West there who is a sex educator and a relationship columnist with uh, the Irish Indo news and Information's coming up
0: Tip Today
4: with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on you can't beat experience With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie
1: Very Welcome back to Tip Today. It's time to speak to Muriel Cuddy, CEO of Marito 8020 in Clonmel. Good morning to you, Muriel. Morning, Fran. How are you today?
11: Happy New Year and all that. <laughs> (laughs)
1: And all of that kind of thing. And you know, the subject we're going to talk about today, it is so apt because there's a certain amount of stress to the new year because we have expectations and all sorts of stuff. It's funny,
11: isn't it, Fran? Because um, for the last two weeks or whatever, even at clinic since I went back, there's probably about 10 different topics that I could bring and I could talk about but there's one that kept coming up and even like outside of the clinic talking to people or whatever is, you know it's January nobody wants to do any- the New Year's resolutions or whatever but everybody seems to be stressed on some level or another people are struggling and I think the cold weather and the mornings and everything oh, I know. in the last couple of days has just been like misery so the stress piece for me is is it's it's massive and, and is like, it
1: worse than other years do you think? I,
11: I really it? do think it is I thought la- we said it last year like yeah. we, we said like the Some people were like wasps and you remember all of that (laughs) piece or whatever. But like, (laughs) it's not they're like wasps. I just think people are not able to cope on the same level that they were able to cope before. So that for me, it's the coping mechanisms and like I'm no different, you are no different. I think we're all kind of in the same space, like say, like kids and work and all the different bits and pieces. But if you don't find ways to cope, your body does break down. So I suppose for me, that's the side of it as in... I have to find coping mechanisms for my stress um, and for me to be able to help other people, um, Mm. you know. Find out like where it's coming from or whatever, and like stress and anxiety, like the feeling, the butterfly feelings that you get yes. in your stomach before something important and say, like you know that even before you switch on mm. the mic in the morning or whatever, that's all fine. It's it's literally it's the chronic stress, it's the daily chronic stress that drip feeds the cortisol down into the gut like all day long. That's the stress that has, I suppose, the the, the um consequences that we don't want the chronic illness and like that causes like the inability to concentrate you know the different things like the frequent colds the flus the pains the aches the mood the difficulty sleeping the fatigue you know all of that and it's funny because I was perfect all last year so I had a full year I never got sick Christmas night so we were out for breakfast came home or whatever and put the pajamas on and literally within a couple of hours I was sick And I got that dose that was going.
1: It's incredible, isn't it? And I was
11: dying for like three or four or five days. I don't know
1: how many people have said that to me. It happened to my daughter when she stopped uh, uh, teaching again for the break. It happened to Frances O'Hanlon, who was our financial... Um, a person here as well.
11: Isn't that amazing? It, it's just the minute your system goes down, the minute you actually decide to take a break. So it actually shows, I would have thought I was fine coming into Christmas this year. Yeah. But the minute my system went down, I obviously wasn't. I My body was definitely going on adrenaline for the month of December or whatever. And the I decided to let my brain relax and come down straight away then.
1: I, uh, what is that, Muriel? Is that the body allowing itself to reset in some way. No,
11: is I actually think it's the body's way of telling you you've been doing too much. Okay. You have been too stressed. You right. know, like you're wide open to getting anything that's there. Um, it was already in the house so if I had a good strong immune system and I hadn't been running on nothing off, yeah. I probably wouldn't have gotten it at yeah. all. You know, but yeah my I knew my system was down and the minute it hit me then it hit me like a ton right. of bricks literally.
1: So what can we do?
11: So I suppose first of all I just... I want to talk a little um, as in how it affects the body. So the emotional symptoms of stress. So if somebody's wondering, am I stressed or not? How does it look like or whatever? So the emotional symptoms are if you become easily agitated, frustrated or moody. And I think that can happen to us all at some stage or another. That means you're stressed, right? Feeling overwhelmed as if you're losing control or you need to take control, right? Um, having a hard time relaxing or quieting your mind. And that kind of feeds in even to the other side of the food side. So how do you relax is with the glass of wine. Are you eating the wrong foods? Yeah. which again weakens the immune system Um, feeling bad about yourself you know the low self-esteem feeling lonely worthless depressed that kind of thing and that's another side again it feeds into the wine and the the foods and everything and I've gotten this a lot even in the last couple of days people that are coming through clinic and they're saying to me I don't want to get dressed you know, I'm coming out and I'm dressing and putting the face on because I have to go to work or whatever and I just can't wait to get home again, you know. So your mindset isn't right if that's happening, you know. You should be able to get through those few hours of the day without thinking like that. Avoiding others, that's one of, the big, one of the big ones. People don't want to talk or they're literally crossing the road, you know, in case they have to talk to someone. And then the physical signs, so low energy, And that, again, is a January thing. The headaches, the upset stomach, so the diarrhoea, constipation, a lot acid reflux, that, and, like, stress causes that without any of the other, like, foods or whatever. And the minute you have the acid reflux, diarrhoea, etc., and we don't feel well, of course, then we'll drink more alcohol. We eat more wrong foods so we kind of it's a cycle yeah we exacerbate the problem whatever Um, the aches and pains again the tense muscle chest pain rapid heartbeat um, and that's one of the big ones and I got asked that a lot even and even when I got sick it was funny because I had chest pain on two sides here and yeah and I was wondering was it it actually turned out it was pneumonia that I had right so that's where my chest pain came from but you, you try and work back even yourself even like me knowing the world I'm in and knowing what I'm doing I knew I wasn't stressed. I knew there was nothing there. But you still worry about yourself when you feel symptoms or signs or something that you've never had before. That's really stress-related or can be real stress-related. So you have to really watch that one. Insomnia, so can't sleep at night. If you wake at 2 o'clock at night and you have the intermittent sleep and then you're banjaxed by 5 or 6 o'clock in the morning. And that, of course, then puts you to do all the wrong things again during the day because you need the quick sugar fix of your cross and red bull to start your day and stuff like that frequent colds and infections your immune system has gone down because of stress um, nervousness and shaking um, ringing in the ears, cold or sweaty hands and feet and, and people don't see that as a sign of stress but that nervousness you know of even the talking to people and whatever That's again is, is a major sign dry mouth, hard time swallowing clenching your jaw, grinding your teeth all signs of stress, your physical signs and then you have the cognitive signs so this, I suppose, again, um, this is even more to the fore, the cognitive science, the constant worrying. So the, the fact that you can not switch off. Mm. And, you know, I don't know the racing thoughts on that. Does anybody that's listening do anything along the lines of manifestation or, you know, the universe or whatever? Because it all helps with these cognitive signs, the forgetfulness and disorganisation, the inability to focus, the poor judgment, be, being pessimistic all the time, just seeing the negative side of everything. These are all stress-related signs. And I suppose every one of us at some stage um, have certain ones or whatever. And some of them are okay. But if you have a lot of these, that you're ticking a lot of these boxes, Fran, you're in trouble. Your body is in trouble. Hmm. And I do I find... I think I'm almost
1: ticking every one of box, those Yeah,
11: you're nodding boxes. away at me here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And you know with the cognitive ones, I really feel... Um, the manifestation piece comes in there that you have to change your mindset in relation to it that you actually like and there are behavioral ones as well like the behavioral ones before we go back to we'll go back to that your changes in appetite So if you're overeating or you have no appetite at all, procrastinating and avoiding responsibilities. So like we all know in January, there's a million different things that we need to do and to try and motivate ourselves to do it. And then when when you don't do it, you're killing yourself by the time you go to bed or get up the next day, you know. More use of alcohol, drugs or cigarettes and the nervous behaviours that you might never have had before, like biting the nails, fidgeting, um, pacing the floor, this kind of thing. And I think the older we get, the more stressed we become, the more of these come to the fore. And the harder we find to um, cope with them, and the more our body breaks down. So, like the cardiovascular problems, you know, like the the um, build up in the arteries, like all of that kind of thing, that all comes to the fore with them. So, I spoke there, yeah, a second ago, about manifestation. Mm. So, do you do anything in relation to manifestation,
1: Fran? No, I I did at one stage, uh, just to explain exactly what it is. That's where you see a, a positive outcome. Yeah, you see it? a positive. Well, it's, it's it's
11: it's not even you you see it. You you are it. You become yes. it.
1: Um,
11: I, I I do I do a lot of not more of this lately because I have to because in the world I am I'm in mean, I see so many people with problems to get yourself out of their your head out of that side of it yes and then get yourself into the family side of it whatever and I suppose I stress so you're either born a stressy person or you're not mm. and it would be in the nature of our family to stress so um, I would always have worried before there was worry if that makes sense yes. and, and worry about a worry or yeah, whatever course, yeah. and I think in the last five or six months I'm getting better in because of the manifestation piece as in you see yourself doing something you are doing it like say um, I, I want something I can see say maybe a new doctor in the practice or you know she see her this is what she looks like you see yourself doing things like if you're worrying about the kids or whatever like he is okay like I can see him yeah. and he's doing whatever it is you take yourself out of the worry will it be okay um, I wonder. I wonder. I'm worried about this. You don't say. I'm worried about it. Like you, you flip it around and like you, you use the more the optimistic side. But with manifestation, it has already happened. Okay. So you have to talk to yourself in the in like in I suppose nearly in the future. But it has happened, and it has happened in the positive. But.
1: Does that mean then that the opposite can happen as well—that you're manifesting negative stuff?
11: Well, don't na- manifest the negative stuff. Like sure, you see but, but the positive do tend stuff, but we do that. By we being do, that's, well, the more we worry and the more we over-worry, yeah. yes. Like you have a better chance of the negative happening, haven't you? Like if you're going to worry about things, it's funny because this is one of the things. Like you, you know, you were saying to me there, like, what can we do to help mm. or what can we do to overcome it? But like, uh, if you overthink things, if you write it all down. So say for the last three or four days, or say for now, what? Day, today, Thursday, say whatever, say for the next four or five days, right? You write down everything you're worrying about. So the minute you have a worry, write it down. The minute you have a fear about something, write it down, right? And, and you're going to worry all day long about it, whatever. Come to next Thursday, whatever, take back out your book of the things you wrote down. How many actually happened? So how many of the things that we overstress about and over worry about actually happen? You know, like we procrastinate and we do so few of them. And like I found that last year, especially opening a new business and everything for the first 12 months of the year. I possibly worried about everything, Mm. like even before it opened. Would we get this in on time? Would we get that in on time? Every client coming through, every meeting I had, every bank thing, every single thing I possibly worried about for the first. And then I realized everything I'm worrying about, it's not happening.
1: Mm. Mm. But it can rob your joy.
11: Oh, totally, yeah. totally. And it causes stress and it can cause chronic stress yes. because you're overthinking all the time. You wake up at night and you're thinking like of 50 different things you haven't done or the things that are going to happen the next day. And you're you're trying to walk yourself through different meetings and walk yourself through different things. And like none of the things that I walked myself through happened as I would have thought it ha- was going to happen. So now I do it the other way around. I try and do things right that when I'm going to bed, I switch off going to bed. So I put the phone away, I'm in bed, possibly by half nine or whatever, and I fall asleep and try and keep my mind clear if I can at all. If I wake up, I try and do the things you're supposed to do, feel the weight of the blanket on you, clear your head with the breathing and stuff like that. And I know it might sound, to, to some it sounds faffy, but the more often you do it, it becomes a habit. Right. And I'm starting to clear my head. That at night my head isn't racing down ten different rabbit holes that I'm not waking up in the morning. And,
1: and Muriel, what about when you wake up where sometimes you allow yourself then to be assaulted by a whole load of worries about the day ahead and yeah. stuff. I
5: mean,
11: you have to clear your mind. You have yeah. to get yourself like it's it's isn't it simple things like you know the way we talk about even friendships and stuff, Fran? And we say like say and this is January, so if anyone that's listening today takes even one thing from what we're talking Mm. about that'll make a difference or takes one thing every week that'll make a difference, there's one thing I've really found. You know, toxic friendships are drainers. People in your world that literally, like, if you say it's raining, oh, no, it's not. You know, they'll just, no matter what Mm. you say, they'll, have an answer that's in the negative for you so i have really found you have to move them you have to move away from
1: them you have to be ruthless about it
11: you really have to like this is 2024 so if you're going to make any decisions this year to do one thing even if, even if it's family like I mm. kind of don't care how close they are in your world if they're dragging you down constantly you have no choice because you can't move forward mm. and like manifestation piece will even tell you that like you have to work at sort of a high vibration and if you have somebody in your world that keeps you down at this low level the whole time and they're, they're knocking you and people don't like be harsh people lots of the times they don't want to see you succeed yeah, they don't yeah. want to see you slim yeah. they don't want to see you happy they don't want to see you making a success of yourself so like if you have people like that in your world you have to move away from them. Yeah, I That's, call them
1: uh, energy vampires oh
11: totally yeah. totally yeah so for me that would be probably be the first one right um, you catch happy vibes from happy people you know so like mm. if you have happy people in your world you have a laugh with them yeah. you draw, bring yourself closer draw yourself towards them and if it's only like picking up the phone we're really bad at picking up the phone saying to somebody will you come for a coffee do you fancy whatever mm. we're all so busy to make the time for that hour when you sit down with somebody that you like that has a nice way about them, whatever, you get up and you walk away and you feel so good about yourself, don't you? So, like, if it's somebody that was in your world two years ago, bring him back in again. Mm. You know, whatever reason, we moved apart from people with COVID and things like that. The other thing is that, again, it's January, so forget about your New Year's resolutions, but talk about, like, your hobbies. So, we would so kind of say live it out. So, what do you love doing? Do you know, like... For, for some somebody like it could be like making a jigsaw mm. things that you haven't done but for. do more of it you do more of what yeah. you love doing it's a hobby it's not don't put it in like a new res- resolution like I need to go for a walk I need to whatever if there's something you love doing bring that back into your world immediately like um, we talk about like exercise you know, yoga and all of that kind of thing like like it's a chore mm. but like sometimes things like that if you actually think of them as no I'm actually going to go to enjoy it yes, it's, it's not, my time it's my time yeah. and I'm not going to kill myself I'm not going to actually go in and I'm going to, you know, have to put myself in 10 different positions I can't. Mm. I'm just going to go and relax, you know. And even when you do something like that, you're you're connecting with people that are like in a like-minded space because they're there for a reason. And somebody said to me this morning, um, she said, you're lucky you're slim. You're lucky you're whatever. And I said, well, it's not really a look thing. Like I have to work just as hard as everybody else on every single piece of my world like be it say whether it's my weight whether it's my mind whether it's whatever i said sunday night i would have loved a glass of wine i didn't have a glass of wine on sunday night because i knew the week that i had ahead i knew that i had to get myself back into the space of being well and whatever and once you get over the first night you're into the second and then you're fine and everything's grand and you kind of get yourself back to normal but i have to work on it just as hard as anyone else it doesn't mm. come easily that you jump out of bed in the morning and just this is like this is par for the course you know mm. so we're all in the same space you just have to reach out to others and if you're in a good mindset yourself help them because when they're when you're in the bad mindset you have and, somebody you can reach out and to. Uh,
1: for people who would have the cluttered mind that you described there just just in, in simple terms give, give us a couple of steps that people could take today or tomorrow.
11: Well, I think you journal your fears anyway. That's number one. Okay.
1: So, like, R- Write them down. You write down the journal. And that is powerful, is it?
11: Uh, totally. Because like, if you write them down and you look back at how many things actually happened and the other thing is when you write them down you're kind of expressing them so straight away they don't seem as bad as what they actually do when they're inside yes. in your head. That's okay. one of the biggest things. The other thing then is connect and disconnect if that makes sense. So you're connecting with the friends but you're disconnecting from the social media piece. You have to do that. Yeah. You have to do that. Like if you look at your phone you see... Like, Like it's coming up 10 hours spent on it this week. Make sure that that's coming back like to seven hours or something like right. that because it's rubbish, it's nonsense. Like what we're seeing on social media, listen to the news once a day. What else are we getting from social media? Like, unless you need to build a business through Instagram or you need to do social media for yes. work,
1: you don't need to be on it. You don't at all need to be on time. it all well, the time. Well, it's no benefit. I well,
11: suppose. you see, even with our kids, it's driving yeah. them insane. Yeah. Like the things they're picking up and they're learning, they're on it. Like, my lads literally are walking into doors at home with the phone yeah. in their hand, you know. So, social media, and for them, if they're, they're youngsters and they can do it, different things for us as older people we don't need it um eat smart eat a smart i said snack but i actually mean i suppose more diet as in 70 percent of the time just pick the right foods and do the other stuff and i know i bleat on about it all the time but if you're going to do one good thing with your food pick the brown bread instead of the white Mm. do you know what i mean cut the alcohol even two nights a week don't kill yourself over it but just just become aware So if you start becoming aware of what you're putting into your body, because it's the biggest thing that makes us feel awful. So if we have a really bad day, we go to bed feeling awful, we can't sleep all night and we wake up the next day feeling awful and then the cycle just continues on. So if you can just do it small steps right, that's Mm. one of the biggest things. There's nothing like a good day, is there? You know that you do things right for a day and how good you feel when you go home. Mm. And then it's, you undo it's all. It's an achievement, it? yeah. 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 And you but you know when you go home then and you're knackered and then you do it all wrong because you eat everything that's in the press or whatever, go to bed. So for the month of January, go and get into bed. Have a shower, put on the pajamas, put on the blanket, even if it's a book or whatever, or if you're still thinking of food or still thinking of the wrong things, turn off the light and go sleep. Hmm. Literally. And even if you do that once or twice a week, you're definitely going so to So it's
1: one day at a time.
11: Literally. Yeah. yeah literally. Get through mm-hmm. the day and go to bed. That's literally. The other thing is in January again, um, I'm, I'm really giving myself a pat on the back, back for this one, right? <laughs> it's the chores thing, right? Yeah. The house, up to 90. So I the Christmas decorations normally come down in our house like after Stephen's day or as close to it as I can literally get because they're gone up so early. The houses stink. This year it didn't happen, right? So I the boys made me leave them up until the 5th or 6th of January. So they came down on Sunday. So the whole house was cleaned to within an inch of its life. All the decorations came down and I started doing the rooms as in the presses or whatever, pick a chore. Pick the all the I won't say the bad word of the S word. Pick all the things that you're in your head since last September of the things that need to be done. The ones you've put off. Do yeah. one a week. Okay. Just start on one and say to yourself, Right, it's going to be done by the weekend. You're clear in your head. Like a clutter free house, a clutter free mind, they say that. So that's simple. If you don't want to do the exercise piece, stretch. Hmm. Just something as simple as where you're sitting there at the desk, Fran, hands up over the head, you know, just reach out, stand up, stretch. Things as simple as that. Like, a simple walk. Like, even if you you don't like walking, but you go into town and decide to yourself, I'm going to have a walk around town. Hmm. I haven't walked around town and how long. Like, when was the last time you actually downed tools that you walked around that you weren't working? So, hmm. say, like, God, Nina, God. Clonmel, Tipperary, any of the towns where? that you work yeah. in. When did you last just put your hands in your pockets and walk around town?
1: I can't even remember when. Yeah, that you'd
11: actually see the shops that have opened and closed, see the people in them, smile at people, Mm. not even stop for a chat or stop for a chat. I haven't done it in Clonmel in, I'm working, Mm. like right in the middle of town and bar to walk out and get my lunch and walk back down to work again. I haven't done that. So things like that and I plan on doing it. So it doesn't have to be like a walk that takes me 10 miles down the blue way. An hour around town. And then you've got your, you know, other things is, and I know I said this and I'm useless at this and I'm definitely going to do it this year is like plan a getaway. Even if it's a day of a getaway, the journey going wherever, Kildare Village, um, if you can't afford whatever, you can still plan a getaway somewhere for a day.
1: What, to look forward to something? Just to
11: look forward to something. Put a day in that you're booking a day out. Like Hmm. um, if you're at home and you're caring or you're whatever, can you pull somebody in that you can actually say, listen, I've got to go somewhere? You don't Hmm. have to tell them where you're going. Hmm. It can be an appointment, it can be whatever, to get somebody to mind your world behind you. If you only just go away for a day and it's a massage that you Mm. actually just have a massage and then you go and you do the walk around and you have your lunch. We're not kind enough to ourselves. We are too busy. We have too many things going on. We think of 50 other people all the time. So if you're one of those people, plan that getaway. It doesn't have to be like... Hmm. a week in the sun or whatever but even that day and do it in January and then do it again in February and start doing it you look forward to it that's 12 days in a year
1: and everything you're saying is doable and that's that's the point isn't it and
11: it it doesn't cost us money it doesn't it's like it's taken back the power I suppose it's taken back your own power to make yourself positive we are living in the negative and while we live in the negative we're going to become more unwell we have all the tools there to become more positive but if we don't work on our mindset it's not going to happen and I know it sounds a bit like the counselling piece or whatever it's not it's there and it's doable. And you can choose to live in a really unhappy world and a really unhappy space and be dead by the time you're 74, 75, or whatever age it is. Say for us, that only gives you 10 years and it gives me 20. So, like, <laughs> or you can actually choose to be happy mm. for the next 20 years and surround yourself with happy people. It's up to us. Like, you, nobody can do it for you. I can't do it for you, Fran. Mm. I can tell you about it and talk about it. And nobody can do it for me. So, I know myself, I have to do it for myself. Mummy died at 72. Daddy died at 69. That's really to the forefront in my mind. Last year was a tough enough year. So I just feel myself, I can make this year as tough as I want or I can make it as happy as I want. So I have to decide, yeah. So
1: it's it's great advice. You yeah. won't know me in a couple of months' time. You know that, don't you? Um, if people want to talk to you or the team, Muriel, how can they do that?
11: Yes, yeah, so our number is 05261 48881 or
1: www.murito8020.com. All right, great to see you as always, Muriel. Thanks, Thanks very friend. much. Now for this week's uh, Down Your Way programme Eamon O'Dowire is in Pat Cullen's kitchen in lovely Lochmore for the crack and for the banter as well Uh, let's uh, give you a little taster of what you can expect on Saturday morning, Uh, in this case uh, Eamon was speaking to Patricia, Pat's wife
11: Well we go back a long way because as he said I was at school with his sister Mm -hmm. and that's
8: how I met him in 1961 it's the first time I met him so it's, it's a long time did you go and keep an eye on him at the matches and all that? No. No. <laughs> no, I'm strictly Kilkenny. He's
11: Tipperary. <laughs> yeah.
8: A <laughs> change, will no. it?
11: No. 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 You're not no love for Tipperary at all. I will have, yeah, but I mean, uh, I'm Kilkenny woman to the core, and that's it. Oh, I sorry see. about that. <laughs> no.
8: It's not on me, lads, isn't it? How are we going to go with that for the evening? Listen, <laughs> nice to be with us, down your way. Thank you very much. Absolutely good. Good to be with us. Tom McGrath over here, around the corner. How are you doing, Tom? Great, Alan. Thanks very much. Yeah, good to be a good friend of Pat's. Oh yeah, most of the time. <laughs> <laughs> Do you were you wanted of the lads at the meeting so he wouldn't take advice from you? I know. I don't, you know I was, before uh, your time, I know. No, it? no, you didn't give you trusted Pat Collin well enough and knew him long enough to trust him that what Pat Collin done was for the best of the parish. And you know, Pat was Parish was parish and you know, you wore your heart in your sleeve and he was one of the originals and you no, know, and if you know the way people would say to you give you a bit, bits of advice from time to time. Like and so say, I he wouldn't be too keen. But when Pat had something to say, you took it on board. Like you no, know, great, great man. Like worked, worked very hard and worked, worked hard for the the GA. Got had his swings and roundabouts. But my longest memory would be as a young fella going to a match about well, maybe I was seven or eight. And Pat was the goalkeeper at the time. Like and sort of you know it was very hard to get scores at that time. We were nearly as bad at scoring then as we are now. Like, but I mean, we scored three points in sixty minutes of the right in the mid final. Like, but mm-hmm. that time, that, and it that didn't happen too often. But Pat then would have his own way of going, sorting it out. Like, Pat would decide the fly goalkeeper hadn't been, you know, the lads in the soccer now they go up around the box at the other end trying to get this goal near the finish. But Pat used to do that as well. But before Pat would leave the goal line, he'd, he 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 used to wear a cap in the goalkeeper son of his eyes to see. Mm-hmm. So he take he take the cap off and he had dentures as well and they went into the cap and, and they were in the back of the net and then he went up so as young fellas in the sideline we'd head on as well like because yeah. there was bound to be action when Pat went to the other end because he, he, he was, was travelling late so up the field oh definitely like, but it was all the, the cause was the, the cause was there was a goal needed and well sadly the goal rarely came yeah. but uh, no, in, in the early stage then when, you know, when the Ryan Cup was put up in the early 60s Templemore won for the first couple of years and i said Pat was involved in for the next... We won 21 in a row. And i said Pat was involved in most and played in the first few of them and was a selector or a general encourager for an awful lot more of them. So it's really parish man and GA man and all that type of stuff. And, and you couldn't
12: say enough good about Pat, but... Hey, son, how are you doing,
9: John?
8: How
12: are you doing, And You're welcome. Uh, good to be here. Yeah, it's great, sir. It's a great... It's a great um, um, evening, and it's nice to have everybody else here, and a uh, few people around his cousins and pets, friends, and our neighbours, and that. And it's it's a nice a nice occasion for everybody, yeah. Certainly, the great tribute you as well to be uh, P.R.O. and uh, your 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 medieval P.R.O. as well. Yeah, sure. Look, at it. it's a nice thing. It's it's a nice um, so nice piece of history, I suppose, to write for um for ourselves as a family. Like you know that um, myself and and Charlie are both county P.R.O.s at the same time, and I suppose. Uh, it's easy for me being being to to, to love the GA, being living at home and that kind of stuff. But Terry was born and raised in in England and in London, like so. That in itself is a huge testament to himself the love that he has for the GA and his involvement with Round Towers over there. And you know, we're all very proud of him, you know, And I'm sure he wants to do greater things in the future. Absolutely, Tipperary County Board doing well. Well, it's just going okay, a, and I suppose yeah, we've had our hiccups and, and we've had our little bits and pieces that we wouldn't be so proud of maybe towards the end of the year. But um, that'll all be sorted out in due course and, um, you know, t- probably, uh, hopefully things will work out fine. <coughs> I,
8: just, I just noticed that on your notes there before the, the programme, um, there were a newer young that growing up, or maybe 17 or 18, um, there was sheep and lambs and all of that around here, around the kitchen. Uh, maybe yeah. one or two that may not be going so well. Tell us about yeah, it. Yeah,
12: that's true, I suppose. Uh, they, were, they were my pet at the sheep, and anyway. I suppose when Pat retired they were the first thing that went out the door, but um, <laughs> Pat was very, very fond of the sheep now, like, and um, I suppose on many occasions when myself or, and my brother Tim maybe come home, er, on the odd occasion when we'll be home late, like yeah. on a Saturday night, uh, we'd always have to be very quiet coming in because Pat would always be on the couch. And we uh, wanted want to try and get in away from Pat anyway, because <laughs> if he saw us coming in after three o'clock, we'd be in a <laughs> lot of trouble. But. And would you bring the girlfriends, you?
5: <laughs> <laughs> I know
12: we, we dispensed it them once before we got home. They'd be okay, like what? Uh, we often got up in the morning time anyway. you talk about roast lamb. Well, the the lamb would be in the sh- in the in the oven, all right. But it mightn't be dead at the time. But <laughs> so, that, that, such was Pat's love for the lambs, like to keep them alive. He would maybe put them in the oven to keep them uh, warm. Oh, <laughs> to was once one or two times I think he forgot to turn the oven off, and we won't say any more about that one. <laughs>
1: Oh, I just love Down Your Way. You can hear it in its entirety this uh, coming Saturday morning from uh, 10 o'clock with the great uh, Eamon as He says himself, another programme, another edition of Down Your Way.
0: Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the premier county. Slattery'sGarage.ie
1: Anne was on to say, sorry Fran, I'm not being pedantic, but even the ITV News called it Mr. Bates and the post office. It's actually Mr. Bates versus the post office, which has a very different meaning. And you're absolutely right so mea culpa and mea maxima culpa and all of that but uh, thank you for that Um and Mick was on from Clonmel to say I've just seen that the former boss of the UK post office has returned her honorary uh, CBE and somebody else saying it doesn't the, the Irish know only too well about miscarriages of justice in the UK. Now we received a letter to uh, Phil in our agony hand slot from a man who has concerns about his ex-wife's um, uh, about his kids with the ex-wife uh, calling her new partner dad now he feels like it undermines his role as a father and he's worried that it could confuse the children he wants advice on how to handle uh, the situation and whether or not he should bring it up with his ex-wife well certainly phil's advice was that yeah he needs to confront the situation but one of our listeners fiona is with me now fiona good morning to you
13: good morning
1: friend how are you doing i'm very well indeed how do you feel about this fiona
13: I couldn't believe my ears, to be honest with you, when that was read out on air. Um, I just think that, uh, look, I, I, we all know that there are ver- very some modern setups and families. I'm just talking about this specific um, situation, so I'm not making judgments on how mm. anyone's family is structured at all. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I really couldn't believe my ears. I just think that the, the relationship between parent and child is such a gift. It is, it, you know, it's a relationship that should be respected um, by everybody. And I just, I just couldn't but wonder how would that woman feel if he had gone to her and said, "Okay, that's cool." So my, now I know he said he'd split up with his partner. Yeah, yeah. If he said, "Oh, okay," so but if he was still with his partner, that's okay. Then then they're going to call um, her, uh, ma'am. I'm sure Because she'd be, I know yeah, if sure my children though. if my children went to call someone else ma'am I'd lose my crazy and you know I remember one of my lads one day they're only messing and joking they called me Fiona mm. and I nipped that in the book now one of them one of them had a friend who always called his parent by their first name yeah. and and that's fine that's no problem for them no problem but I nipped it in the bud straight away and I just said Everybody in the, all the billions of people in this planet can call me Fiona, but there are only four people in this entire world who can call me Ma'am.
1: Well said, you. What a lovely way to put it.
13: What a lovely and I way just to put it. and and it never happened again, you know. And it's just I, I just I couldn't have that. And to call, I just think it's so disrespectful of that man's role as those mm. children's father. And then the second thought I had, which is kind of a dark enough thought was well whose idea was it was it her idea and why um, or was it the new partner's idea right. and i'd be throwing a double why at that like i have friends and and people people i know that are single parents and they're doing everything they can to rear their children and the one thing they always say is you know it would it would take something very very special to bring bring a new like man into my house be, even to meet my children um, because it's a very big deal for the children, and to then further complicate, and these children are young. I think they said the oldest wasn't even ten.
1: Yeah, uh, they're, they're all under ten. Is it four they're under, under 10, ten? In fact, yeah, four I don't,
13: under ten. Yeah, yeah. I've been there. Yeah, mm. um, but it's it's. I mean, children are children are very simple creatures. Mm. They need very firm. Boundaries, they need to know where the lines are, um, they need all the nourishment, encouragement, everything that we do every day as parents without labeling it or thinking what we're doing. But to try to confuse them and throw this new person to mix and insist they call him dad And
1: could I be devil's advocate for a moment uh, Fiona, yeah. because in fairness largely just from a personal point of view I go along with everything you're saying, but to be advocate on this, yeah. Um, they're very young kids as you say, I presume they're spending the majority of the time with the mum, maybe maybe she just, maybe she's trying to get some sort of stability for them in, in a relationship Is, is there like, anything in that?
13: no in in my opinion I would say no Um, I think it's doing the exact opposite I think that bringing another man in and asking them to call him dad or daddy or whatever is has to be so destabilising like you know children young children which is a positive are very very accepting Mm. and young children which is a negative are very very accepting But it is confusing for them because they go to school and their friends either have a mum and a dad, Mm. or they have a dad, or they have a mum, or they might have two mums or two dads. Mm. That grants look let people live their lives. Of course, yeah. um, As long as they're caring for and loving their children. But you know, to me, the primary relationship is between the two parents, the parents of the children. And this man is clearly unhappy with this arrangement. And his ex-wife, ex-partner, whatever she is, she has a, she has a duty to respect her children's father. Now I know he said I think it was quite fractious at the start, but the same things seem to have settled down between that way. them. Yeah, uh. you know, and which is great, and let them go forward, co-parenting, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But to 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 disrespect him like that, and again, it brings me back: How would she feel if he started? Getting the children to call his next partner, man. and I think in the letter it said that she'd only been in a relationship with this man for about a year, and then yeah. he moved in. Mm. And listen, that's grand, that's fine, because sometimes if you know very quickly, and if, you know, whatever, yeah. you know, you do you. But it's just bring him in, fine. But if it was her idea, I think it's very disrespectful of her child to her children's father. But if it was the new partner's idea. That would raise the hairs in the back of my neck. I'm sorry now I'm going to judge, rush to judgment here. And I'd be wondering why, eh, listen, most men in a stable relationship, they nearly have a nervous breakdown at the thoughts of becoming a father. Then they learn to love them and it's grand, Mm. it's all fine. Mm. But I, I don't know any man who has said, oh my God, yeah, I really want children. I really want children, never mind his own. But to take on someone else's, you know, where is the rush in this? and why the need to label him that yeah. and whose idea was it I think that man phoned in looking for advice I'm just making statements
1: and, and that's what opinion. I was going to ask you for finally um, yeah. w- do- does he need to confront this
13: he definitely needs to yeah. confront it yeah. it doesn't have to be confrontational yeah. but he definitely needs it. but I would I would go at it and I would just say to her I'm not happy with this how would you feel if I introduced to whoever Uh, to the children said now you need to call her ma'am i would never disrespect you like that and by you doing this i find it very disrespectful for me to me and i'd further probe it and say whose idea is this is he pushing for this and if so why why does a man who is not who is new in these children's lives why is a man pushing so hard to be so close to these children now, that's a dark thought, Fran.
1: That puts a whole other dynamic whole here whole to other this dynamic, that I hadn't whole, thought of, Fiona yeah, and I, I, have to say. You it know? was
13: one of the first thoughts I had. Whose idea is this? Is she, is she pushing it? Why? Is he pushing it? Why?
1: Very interesting. Food for thought, for sure. Fiona, pleasure, and thanks for your advice and thanks for your time, Fiona. Good morning. You're more than welcome. Good, good, right, good friends, morning bye now, to you. bye, bye. bye to you now. We'll take a break. Back with farming in just a moment.
4: Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slattery'sgarage.ie. It's
1: time to talk farming now, and I'm joined by Katrina Morrissey, Deputy Editor of the Farmers Journal. Good morning, Katrina.
6: Good
14: morning,
1: Fran. Can we start with that rather stern warning indeed from the brand new president of the IFA, Francie Gorman, to the government?
14: Yeah, that's right. Um, Francie Gorman took up office on Tuesday as the president of the Irish Farmers Association and he, uh, as part of his speech, said that the government needs to take their hands of our land. Um, And speaking on behalf of farmers, he said they were increasingly concerned that they were being taken for granted by the state and some private developers in relation to infrastructure projects. And we know that there's been some contentious issues over roads and greenways Mm -hmm. and access and and, um, further access for things like electricity lines and pipelines. So he said, let me be clear, there must be full agreement with farmers before any developer enters their land. So, um, yeah, a very, very kind of hands-off mm. warning there from the new president.
1: Yeah, strong language as well. To be confiscated by stealth, Katrina.
14: That's right, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and that was uh I suppose um he referred to a number of things throughout the uh the AGM speech and and the land was one I suppose another issue that I thought was, was really being raised from the floor at the AGM on Tuesday was the issue of farmers not getting paid. Mm. So there's a lot of farmers out there waiting for payments. They're waiting for acres payments. They're waiting for um, their their normal BPS, as I would call it. It's, it's, um, it's a new name this year. But um, the, the traditional single farm payment, a lot of anger among farmers about having to wait payment and the comparison made that if it was you know state employees civil servants who were told that they would get paid on a date and didn't get paid on a date that there would be uproar for sure and yeah. by comparison farmers are expected to wait and actually at the ifa agm minister charlie mcconnell wasn't able to give a commitment that all the farmers would be paid by february so now these are farmers that are waiting since the back end of 2023 and they were told they'd be paid in early 24. That's not happening, and he couldn't even guarantee that they would all be paid in in February. So from the floor, um, that was a real issue, the farm payments, but there was lots of issues raised on the day.
1: Speaking of angry farmers, German uh, farmers bringing cities to uh, a standstill, and uh, this uh, cropped up on the programme earlier on this morning as well. Um, very angry in Germany.
14: Very angry in Germany, and you know we've seen a number of very angry farmer protests across Europe in the last two years or so. So this week, farmers in Germany um, started a week-long protest, and it's in response to subsidy cuts. Um, and farmers came out on the streets; they came out on the autobahn. And uh, they went to Berlin, centre of Berlin, and they brought the place to a standstill, basically. Um, the main reason, I suppose, they're out there is that the government decided to cut the green diesel subsidies mm. and tax breaks for agricultural vehicles, so hence the tractors. Um, and that was uh, driven by the government's announcement that it needed to save £900 million from farming subsidies um, after they, they lost out on on debt due to a, a court ruling that the government thought they would get um, the German government prior to this week's protest did roll back a little bit um, in that the tax relief for the agricultural vehicles like tractors, they'll be phased out and the diesel subsidy will be phased out now as opposed to a blunt cut but it's not the first time we've seen farmers taken to the streets in Europe we've seen it prior, you know, previously in Ireland mm-hmm. but I suppose the Dutch farmers have, have come to the forefront in recent years and their issue was you know nitrates and environmental regulation that is at least partly the reason for um, the, the rise of the, the political party in in um, in Holland. Yes. Um, and you know, it's I suppose a sign of growing unhappiness among farmers um, across Europe, and, mm. and sometimes in relation to um, environmental regulations, sometimes in relation to carbon tax, but often very interlinked.
1: Yeah, it's going to be very interesting, particularly I suppose in light of the European elections coming up as well, Katrina. You'd wonder how big a part the unhappiness of farmers right across Europe will play in those elections.
14: You would, and I mean, the, the choice of candidate will change the colour of of the parliament, yeah. and and could have substantial um, policy impacts then. Um, and in the case of, say, for example, the Common Agricultural Policy, that is already being talked about now for 2028. Um, the, the early talks yes. are happening now, but the real talks will begin after the European elections um, in June, and obviously that that will be directly affected by by the uh, by who is elected in Ireland and across Europe.
1: It's going to be interesting times. That's uh, for sure. Should we be concerned about Irish food and drink exports dropping um, to sixteen point four billion uh, last year? Is that is that of grave concern?
14: Look, it's not it's not great news, but they are still phenomenally good yeah. figures. Um, so we've got like it dropped to sixteen point four billion. It was an overall four percent drop. Uh, not what anybody wants to see, but it was a, a, a value drop. We know that the price of commodities fell last year. Mm. You know, we know that the price of milk and dairy products fell, sheep meat fell, and then pig meat was particularly badly hit. So, primary beef exports, as in the volume of them, actually uh, sorry, the value of them actually grew two percent, and prepared foods went up. So that's in the value added sector. Um, so, is it the end of the world? No, um, but is it a negative uh, news story? Yes, it is um we're still you know exporting mm. huge amounts of food and drink to europe and the industry and the board be um experts were still you know they are very optimistic for 2024 um and most of the companies that were surveyed in relation to exporting food and drink the companies themselves are expecting some growth in 2024 so it'd be interesting to see what happens but ireland you know it's an absolute Star performer in terms of exports of food and drink.
1: Can I ask you about that UCD uh, study? High output herds could cut carbon emissions. Would that? Would you be talking there about less animals producing the same amount? Is that what that's about?
14: Yeah. So I suppose historically in Ireland over the last twenty years or so, we have moved away from what would have been called a high input, high output type of cow. So we would have imported from Canada and America genetics years ago. That would have been um, very Holstein, So a big cow, um, very high yielding, so a huge capacity. She would have a huge capacity to produce milk, but she also needed lots of concentrate feed to do that. Over the last 20 years, and, and following Chagas' advice and, and following science as well, We've gone for a smaller type of cow, a more efficient type of cow suited to grass-based production. Um, so they are lower input in that they leave far less concentrate feed. They do most of their milk um, off grass alone, and then they produce slightly less milk as a result. But it, it is more economical cow, we'll mm. say, in terms of buying your inputs for her. Um, But there was a a study done by UCD and a professor professor, um, of agriculture and food economics, Michael Wallace, has been looking at a comparison between a high-input, high-output cow system and a benchmark uh, chagas, highly grass-based, low-input herd. And in the current um, environmental policy, he's saying that actually those higher-output herds could play a role in reducing the, the number of physical cows in the country mm. and therefore cut greenhouse gas emissions while still being able to provide enough uh, milk supply for the processors, you know, the dairy goes the tier long, um, and to feed the dairy export demand, which we've just talked about. In a way, Fran, it's a funny thing because we're nearly going back to the future based on what he's saying. Um, because you know we've already had these high-input, high-output cows and moved away from them. And now there's talk that potentially, given the environmental um, constraints, that maybe the higher-input, higher-output cow is the way to go. Of course, they, the one thing to bear in mind in this is that it is a high-input cow as well as a high-output mm. cow. You might have less of them, but you will be requiring to buy more concentrate feed. If that is imported feed... Uh, what's that going to do for carbon footprint and also what's it going to do for the farmer's income at the end of the day because where you are reliant on inputs and buying inputs to sustain your, your herd it means you're you're very vulnerable to changes in, in feed prices um, and the study found that um, that, the, while the, uh, that basically that the high output, high input herds were more exposed to feed prices and they would suffer. They would gain more when milk price is very good, but they would all suffer more when milk price is bad because they still have to pay for the high feed costs. Um, but overall, um, Professor Wallace's study found that both systems produced a similar whole farm profit at 36 centilitres. But actually, the higher output system, because the type of cow they had, could have 15% fewer cows on the same land area, so on the same farm size. So if if the end goal is purely environmental, cutting greenhouse gas emissions, that may be an option for some of the industry.
1: It's very interesting, isn't it? Katrina, thanks as always for your time this morning. Thank you. Good morning to you. And thanks, to, uh, Katrina Morrissey, Deputy Editor of the Farmers' Journal, and the journal is on your shelves right now. One of our listeners reminding me that on Saturday night, uh, Michael Collins, the Michael Collins band appearing at uh, Carehouse Hotel, and I'm there along with uh, Muriel on the night as well, so it's a two-band band uh, session, so there will be about four hours of dancing, I would imagine. But anyway, tea and coffee and nibbles, and it's from half past eight until date. That's it for me. Uh, Emma produced, Ali looks after her content. Stephen's on the way with the Time Tunnel, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. Look after yourselves, won't you? Bye-bye.